Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Check this out. On the weekend, Info. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Bye. 
tides is gonna make it through the night. Well, well, when's the last time you heard that old jam? Blinded by the light. That's Manfred Mann's Earth Band. Manfred Mann's Earth Band. I only wish I understood what some of those words meant in the song. But anyway, it's a tune that you'll have stuck in your head. It's a humble tune. It begins our weekend of entertainment here at WABC, and I'm charged with taking you to the break of dawn. That's right. Every Saturday morning from 12 midnight to 6, so nice. They then let me do it twice, Sundays from 12 to 6. And I've had an hour taken from me. Yes, yes, yes. Broadway, Bill Lee, you know how I am about uh, giving up any radio time, except it's for a good cause. Owner and operator uh, John Katzmatidis uh, loves getting into the ring now with Anthony Weiner. He did that last week when he told me to stay home because I was scratching up like there was no tomorrow, like a junkyard dog with fleas. And they were like two scorpions in a brandy glass, four to five. In just a few hours, you got to double-check it. Oh, he just loves sparking off with Anthony Weiner. So I get an hour. An hour to uh, actually devote it to other measures in the world other than talk radio. Because if you've been listening of late, with all the vacations, with all the uh, functions going on that have kept other talk show hosts and hostesses away, I've been doing radio round the clock. And fulfilling the meaning of the acronym, always broadcasting, Curtis. WABC always uh, also means always broadcasting, Katsimatidis. And thank God we haven't heard Cuomo any time this beginning of the year. Because for a while there, it was like WABC always broadcasting that Facha Bruta Cuomo. But, oh, man, it's talk radio all the time, except... We have certain barriers, certain barriers. Weekends, although there'll be talk of politics from time to time, it's really more theater of the mind. It's really more entertainment. And that's why when I come in with a song like Blinded by the Light, by the Manfred Man Earth Band, right? Manfred Man Earth Band, M-M-E-B. You would know that Broadway Billy on loan from WCBS where you broadcast in the afternoons Monday through Friday with the Italian stallion, uh, Joe Causey. You would know that because, um, that's a song you might have played years ago, but you haven't heard it in a month of Sundays. Be honest. It's not on your playlist. You're not going to see it in a few hours with the Prince of Staten Island, Vinnie Madunio. No, no. And in fact, I haven't heard it in a month of Sundays on the greatest DJ of all time, Cousin Boosie. I've not heard that at all. And I haven't heard it with Tony Orlando without Dawn or with Dawn or what the hell ever happened to Dawn. And you're certainly not going to hear it with Joe Piscopo Sunday 6 to 8 as he's got a nationally syndicated uh, Frank Sinatra show from coast to coast. So it leaves it to me, yours truly. And the power of 
This engine of ours, the most intimate form of communication ever created by, I believe, Marconi the Italian, some would say Tesla the Serbian, rocks on. Because by day, we are the biggest uh, radio station in the nation, and uh, by night, we are the largest in the globe. In fact, a few days ago, I had a visit uh, from a gentleman and his son from Toronto. He works for the Toronto Star. He's covered me for years, uh, dealing with Guardian Angel Matters in Canada and Toronto, Joe Warmington. And he said, oh, yeah. Uh, you turn that uh, terrestrial radio on at night, you can be in downtown Toronto. You can be in Jane Finch Carter. You can be in the largest flat suburb in uh, the Western Hemisphere, Mississauga. You could be in Regent Park, Cabbage Town. It doesn't matter. You can hear WABC crystal clear. That's that's on the terrestrial radio. And then now you've got the app. you got to download this WABC app. It's so easy to do. If you don't know how to do it, turn to somebody who's more technologically, um, just say educated. That you may be like me. I'm a Luddite. I'm up there in years. I'll soon be 70 uh, on March 26th of this new year. Many of you are in that age range, probably sometimes uh, older than that, a baby boomer. And you have no idea how to download any app. In fact, you don't even know what an app is. I, I, I'd I, hesitate to say I don't know what the hell an app is. All I know, it's already downloaded into my uh, phone because when I'm on the way to do uh, the Sid Rosenberg Show and Friends every Monday through Friday at 7.05, and I'm deep down into the bowels of New York City riding the subway here. And checking out, basically taking the temperature of the city of New York in the underground. That's how I listen to WABC on the way here. With the app, the WABC app. On your radio. I listen to this station all day long. On the 77 WABC app. And on all your devices. Play 77 WABC. And when the promo says all the devices... If you actually stand in the right direction... In the northeast direction, as the sun rises and sets, and if you have enough fillings in your teeth, of which you all do, I certainly do, you can actually hear it through the fillings of your teeth. You can hear the vibrations. And if you just shut up for a second, because everybody likes to talk like a yenta, uh, and they like to hear themselves talk, just shut up for a second, and you'll hear it's like a tuning bar right in your teeth. And you will hear crystal clear WABC in the fillings of your teeth. Not if it's gold. No, sorry. Gold does not pick up the signal of the most powerful radio station in the nation by day and most powerful on the globe by night. Because somehow the substance gold will not pick up the 50,000 powerful watts of sound from our tower of power in Lodi. It basically eliminates it. But, oh, if you got lead, I mean, I'm sure some of you have lead, some of you have silver. God only knows what the dentist put in your teeth years ago. And if your teeth are hollowed out, like I know some of you are, you can hear it crystal clear. It might vibrate a little bit from the highest mountains of the Himalayans, snow-capped at this time of year, in Kathmandu and Nepal, 
to the lowest elevations, Death Valley in California, on your way from Los Angeles to Vegas. That's my wife Nancy's favorite location, where it's hotter than hell, and you can watch the sagebrush roll through. Boy, this is the place you want to be. can be heard in 173 countries, but not yet in Antarctica. A continent who's melting, but it is a landmass. And John Kazimatidis, our owner and operator, is working on that. You can hear it everywhere. And speaking of my wife, Nancy, boy, she's doing an outstanding job. Not only Sundays, 10 to 11, where we'll be uh, syndicated nationally, the Animal Welfare Hour, by our parent company, Red Apple Media, by John and Marco Kazimatidis and El Presidente Chad Lopez. But she has actually joined me on the Rip and Read. She did such a great, great job during the vacation week when uh, some of our talk show hosts and hostesses were away that uh, there was a consensus out there. They were saying, more, more Nancy, less Curtis, more Nancy, less Curtis, more Nancy, less Curtis, more Nancy, because she really does bring a lot to the radar screen of our broadcast on the Rip and Read every Monday through Friday from 12 to 12 to 1, 12 noon to 1. A lot of information. She does the deep dive. She's going after Bill and Charlene McRae. Yeah, I call her Bill and Charlene McRae, even though it's comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, who single-handedly tried to destroy the city that we love for eight years. And now he's being aided and abetted by that, by Bill de Blasio 2.0, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens. Yep, and they were partying. They were hanging out together just 24 hours ago. I don't know if it was to the break of dawn. Maybe they were matching notes and how you could actually disable what once was the finest running city in the world. With Michael Vadi Chase, Rudy Giuliani for eight years, followed up by 12 years of Michael Bloomberg. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And I'll be damned. I'm telling you right now, Broadway Billy, I will be damned. I am not talking Joe Biden. His speech earlier in the day at Valley Forge. Hey, you want to talk about George Washington at Valley Forge? With, oh, yes, General von Steuben on loan from Germany with his uh, young cadets. Oh, yeah, he was a man who admired other men as uh, his German cadets admired him. He was gay. Brought over to Valley Forge. Yes, yes, Broadway, uh, Billy Gay. I mean, he was a gay general. But he really shaped up the Revolutionary War troops who were, at that point, abandoning ship, going in a million different directions, and a ragtag army. Thank you, uh, gay general von Steuben. He was probably a drag queen. Oh, I don't know. He didn't do... He didn't do drag queen uh, reading hour for kids. But everybody will tell you, the guy was a gay guy with gay cadets who came over from Germany. But give him credit. This guy turned the American Revolutionary Army of George Washington, bunkered down in Valley Forge into a fighting army that came back 
and won our freedom from the crown. Yeah, yeah, I'll talk about that. I will not talk about Joe Biden's speech early on Friday, nor will I talk about, oh, the challenge of what Colorado wants to do to Donald Trump, knock him off the ballot, how the Supreme Court will take up the issue. I don't want to talk about, oh, the Iowa caucusoid caucuses, which is ridiculous how they determine who the winner of that caucusoid caucus is. I'm not talking about New Hampshire. I'm not talking about South Carolina. I'm not talking about Nevada. I'm not talking about Super Tuesday. I've heard it all day long, round the clock, of constant repetition. Oh, Joe Biden, did you hear what he had to say? Oh, God. You know, when uh, Bob Brown, our news guy... He was doing the news and saying to me, Curtis, no sound. I'm Bob Brown. It doesn't get on the air. I said, okay, don't worry about it, Bob. Hey, you got, you got some, uh, you got some, uh, ibuprofen. You got Tylenol. You got some. I'll take both of them together. It's a natural barbiturate. I get a headache listening to the WABC all freaking day. Joe Biden evil. Together we can keep proving that America is still a country. That believes in decency. Oh, stop it. Stop it, please. I do not want to talk about that. Oh, my God. That's a, three hours of Mark Levin. The 5 o'clock roundtable discussion, although they're always diverse. They always touch on a lot of different subjects. But obviously, that was their theme. Before that, uh, Bo Snurdly, a.k.a. James Golden, it will be on from 7 to 10. Much better show 7 to 10 than uh, 4 to 5 each day. 4 to 5, he thinks he's a combination of Frankie Crocker and Vaughn Harper at the old WBLS. I knew Frankie Crocker. I knew Vaughn Harper. Both have passed to the hereafter. I can tell you, Broadway Billy, he's neither. And tomorrow, 24 hours from now, my pet peeve for the New Year's, I don't want people singing here at WABC. You're a talk show host or hostess. Talk. Happy New Year. Sarah, Sarah. Oh, God. Whatever, Whatever will be, oh, will be. Oh. The future's that eyes oh, to see. Oh, 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 hey, Sarah, Sarah. Have a happy New Year, folks. The dogs were howling. When John Katzmatidis and Anthony Weiner, what an unlikely couple to be singing. You know, they could be under a carousel. They could... Sort of remind me of that Lawrence Taylor lookalike who used to sit with, uh, who was that sportscaster who put his teeth right in the back of that woman's back? Marv Albert. Remember when Marv Albert went through that uh, period of chewing on women's backs while having sex? He had like the worst rug on his head that I've ever seen in my life, Marv Albert, but... It was said during his trial for leaving his choppers in the back of that woman, I think it was in Arlington or Alexandria, Virginia, that oftentimes he would be seen underneath a carousel singing Broadway tunes. Yeah, we'll be talking Broadway later on also. The great Yul Brenner. Oh, you're going to learn a lot of things. We're going to be talking about the Red Sea party. The Red Sea, right, for Moses? Charlton Heston, Yul Brenner. Oh, you don't want to miss it. I may have to start singing show tunes under a carousel like Marv Albert and that Lawrence Taylor lookalike. With tonight's game winding down, I'm thinking, well, this is it. My last broadcast and all that's going through my mind is I have been so fortunate to be doing this. Marv, Marv, I loved you when I was listening to Nick Ames, but you know Marty Golden. 
Uh, yeah, I got it right, right? Marty Golden. Yeah. What, what, why am I saying Marty Golden? Wait, I got it wrong here. Marty Golden. Former state senator in uh, Brooklyn. Well, maybe, let me talk. Well, no, maybe a president. What? Well, I, I'm close. Marty Glickman. Yes, Marty Glickman. That's right. He went to Madison High School. Was going to run in the Olympic Games. The Olympic Games in Berlin right before World War II. I think there was 36. And they prefer, believe it or not, Broadway Bill Lee, uh, the uh, U.S. Olympic team preferred to have blacks running in the sprints than have Jews running in the sprints. So Marty Clickman of Syracuse University and his partners were told, you're going to collect splinters on the bench, and you know who's going to run the sprints in the relay? You could figure that out, ladies and gentlemen. Some of you actually remember watching it on the movie reels. See, I'm not going to tell you everything. I already botched Marty Golden. Then I had a struggle in my mind, and I had to scrape it from my medulla and cerebellum, the great Marty Clickman. That's right, Marv Albin. You're, you're, you're no Marty Clickman. So the Russian rocket, Pavel Bore, with a desperation effort. Pat Quinn hoping he gets the shot off. Bore and McTavish with one and six ten seconds. Puck is brought. McTavish controls, and it's all over. Please. I do remember, though, listening on my terrestrial radio. Tomorrow, Marv Albert announcing Nick Games. I hated Dollar Bill Bradley. I really did. I love Cassie Russell from Michigan. Come in as a six-man. Played no defense and with Chuck. Oh, yeah. Here's your, uh, Dollar Bill, you gave me a headache, right? Then Dave Dubuque, Bush, you up there. Oh, it was great. Dick Barnett. Oh. Walt Clyde Frazier. Earl the Pearl Monroe, Willis Reed. I mean, uh, the golden years, the glory years, right? 69, right? Brought, brought home an NBA championship. Red Holzman, the Jewish guy. I think he lived next to A-Beam, the mayor at the time, and the Ponson and the Rockaways. I don't know. I'm, I'm on a time machine now. I hear this song. But there's a reason that I'm playing Blinded by the Light. Because there is a, like everything else now, there is a description of why you may have the Moody Blues in the winter. Did you know that, Broadway Billy? They've got a new acronym. It's called SAD. You know, like Sad Sack, SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder. There must be like 10,582 disorders now in the psychiatric and psychological community. But what they're claiming now, and I need to tap into all of you because you're from everywhere, that wherever you might be, do you feel a little down in the fall and winter when the days get shorter and sunlight is harder to come by? But for some, the depression that sets in is more than simple winter blues. If you find yourself in a funk every fall and winter, you may have what they describe clinically now as SAD. Sad sack disorder. Seasonal affective disorder. And do you remember reading Sad Sack when you were a kid growing up? Oh, man, it was so good. So good. Beetle Bailey, Sad Sack. I mean, come on. 
And then they claim that light therapy often helps treat seasonal affective disorder, better known as SAD, by providing artificial light similar to sunlight that can change chemicals in the brain linked to mood. If your doctor has recommended light therapy, join the club. Sid Rosenberg. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Oh, yeah. You think you're good, Princess Staten Island, Vinny Madunio? You think you're good, uh, Cousin Brucey? Greatest DJ of all time. Well, you are. Think you're, think you're good, Tony Orlando Without Dawn? Which really kicks off our weekend of entertainment. Yeah, I went from Blinded by the Light, Manfred Man, Earth Man, to some old jazz-like original cool in the gang. You notice that, right? right, right, right. You like that, Broadway Billy. Nobody can do that. Oh, no, not that pretender to the musical crown, James Golden, a.k.a. Bold Snurdy. No way. Winter Madness. What are you crying for? Because I'm such a cornball. Oh, God. Please. I remember listening to Barry White, Love Unlimited, and trust me, James Golden is no Barry White, and he would never have a backup group like Love Unlimited. Never. Oh, this is so good. The old, original Cool in the Gang from Jersey City. This is one of those times where you have to separate the politics of the group from your own politics because these these guys love Screwy Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. And you know me. I hate them. But how could you not like this music? If true, if true, that people in the fall and winter, because there is less light out and more darkness, suffer from sad sack... Uh, yeah, sad. Seasonal affective disorder. And this song epitomizes that. And I love the way they they take that music and it just begins to soar. Oh, yes. To hell of Scooby Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. Oh, but this song, what a great jam. Yeah, yeah. You hear this kind of music, you all of a sudden see unidentified flying objects from the other side of midnight. From that Mamaluke Frank Morano. Monday through Friday from 1 in the morning to 5. I can see a UFO. I can see an unidentified flying object. It's there. Oh, it's 
so good. That you're, music. You're the Frankster. Oh, my God. You ruined it, Frank. All right, enough of that. Maybe we'll come back with Summer Sadness. Well, we'll hold off on that. Let's go to the phone. It's Brian calling. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Brian. Curtis? That's me. I just want – hold on one second. I'm sorry. I think Bruce Springsteen wrote that song, uh, Blind Devil. I'm not a big fan either. I don't, I don't really like the guy anymore, but please show Bruce Springsteen wrote that song. Hold on a second. Oh, album. Wait a second. Blinded yeah. by the Light, you say, was written by Bruce Springsteen? Bruce. Yeah. Hold on a second. Well, what? from Asbury Park. Would you swear on your future grave somewhere in America, or maybe you'll be swimming with the fishes on the Jersey Shore, and uh, all of a sudden, Shabu, El Jefe Chris Christie will consume your carcass as he swims up and down from Wildwood to Point Pleasant. Would you swear on that, Brian? I think so. Oh, no, I no. Now, oh, now it's you think so. Before it was like sure shot, guaranteed. Put all your money on the fact that Bruce Springsteen. And by the way, did you know you're a heavy breather? Did you know that, Brian? I got the flip phone here. Oh, I, wait I, a yeah. second. The flip You just broke <laughs> my glasses here. I'm sorry. Who the hell uses a flip phone anymore? Can you believe that, Broadway Billy? This guy, this, this, this heavy breather guy out there. Hey, hey, do me a favor. Get some Kleenex and blow your nose out. Believes it's Bruce Springsteen. Oh, my, oh, no, my. I broke my freaking glasses. I got so pissed off. Hey, Shabu, I'll have to Chris Christie. You who love to do the jiggle wiggle. What have you been to? Like 178 Bruce Springsteen concerts. All over the world, and they diss you and dismiss you. They don't even recognize you. What the hell are you doing in this primary? I saw your commercial. I made a mistake in 2016. I should never have been supporting Donald Trump. Hey, shut up! God, I can't believe what a sickle fantodian lackey of Bruce Springsteen, right? Who disses and dismisses him with. uh, Stevie Van Zandt, right, uh, little Stevie, with the schmata on his head. Oh, God. Oh, let's go to Al in New York City. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Al. Mayor Sliwa, happy and healthy New Year to you and your wife. And oh, I like that. I, I, I like that. Mayor Sliwa, I like that. Boy, there's a flow to it. Thank you very much, Al. You're welcome. You know, it's funny, you were just mentioning funerals, uh, I had two sisters, uh, Marie and uh, Monica. Uh, Monica got married March 26th, but at her funeral, it was 105 degrees in Austin, Texas, and the funeral home was adjacent to the cemetery, so we were all down 105 degrees. She was so full of life. She was a nurse, and we hopped in the car. It took us five minutes to get to her burial site. You know what played on that song the minute that we came in? Blinded by the light. And so five minutes, he had a little bit of joy. It was like she was in the car. She loved that song. She'd go roller skating to it, you know. And, you know, what's funny is uh, I saw you at Mayor Cotchestry. You looked really tough. You were in a suit. You still had the beret. 
And I got to tell you, uh, it's only going to be 65 days till March 10th. And guess what? Seven o'clock sunsets again. So it's going to be a beautiful thing, you know? Wow. Now, and, you uh, said uh, she died, did you say March 26th or March 10th? She, no, she was she was, um, had a wedding on March 26th. But uh, I have two sisters, Marie and Monica, and they both passed away. Oh, and I, oh, them. Oh, I, I, I feel your that. pain, but... Please, yeah. March 26th uh, is my birthday, but when you mention weddings, I only can think of one of them, I must tell you, Al. And that was the keeper uh, with my wife, Nancy. We were deep down into a cave uh, somewhere upstate, like maybe 100 miles outside of Albany. It was That's House right. Cabin, that's right. Well, say that again. House Cavern. I've been there. It's very nice. Yes. Uh, why not? I, I said to my wife, why would you pick this place to get married? She says, hey, Schmuck, it's 110 degrees in the shade. It was up to, up, up on the normal level. There were cows grazing. It was in the middle of, like, farmland, dairy land. And then we went way down underground. There was a creek there. It was, like, 68 degrees without having any air conditioning. It was great. It was wonderful. It was memorable, Al, memorable. Have you ever been to Carlsbad Tavern in New Mexico? Oh, man. I, I, I... Hey, Broadway Bill Lee, how does this guy go from upstate New York to New Mexico? I don't know, my, it reminds me of uh, former governor of uh, New Mexico, Richardson, who was on that list of, what, 177 guys who were hanging out with uh, Jeffrey Epstein? Yeah, Jeffrey Epstein, who wore a Harvard Crimson uh, shirt, uh, pants, uh, pullover sweater, never went a day to Harvard. I grew up in Seagate, right outside of Coney Island, went to Mark Twain Jr. High School, went to Lafayette High School, we are here. Never went to Harvard. Wondering what, I wonder what, uh, what college did Jeffrey Epstein go to? He didn't go to Harvard. But he got uh, the wealthy pedophiles to contribute to Harvard University. And that's because then they say, oh, you can pretend to be whatever you like. Pedophile doesn't matter. You're getting these whales who are pedophiles. Did you fly to uh, Pedophile Island off the Virgin Islands on the Lolita Express from Teterboro? You're getting them to contribute to the $50 billion endowment of Harvard University? You could pretend that you're from Harvard. You could cut your veins and arteries and bleed crimson. Whatever you want to do, pal. It's all about the money. Just remember that. All about the money. Let's go to Jerry calling from Stratford. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jerry. Hey, Curtis, two things. One, I'm calling you on my flip phone, which I had for years. I'm trying not to be a mouth breather, so I'm hoping it's coming through without uh, too much huffing and puffing. And, and my other point is the guy screaming racial slurs in Grand Central stabbing people. Is it possible he's answering Joe Biden's call to arms, right? Biden's trying to start a race war by complaining about white supremacy all the time. What I say? Notice how he tried to slip me a Mickey. He was on a roll. I know all about emotionally disturbed persons because many people think that I'm about as close to emotionally disturbed as you could get. I, from time to time, people say, hey, did you spend any time in Kings County, the psychiatric ward? So I said, I'm not talking Joe Biden. What does he do? Slips me a Mickey, right? Talks about a subject that I'm knowledgeable on, crazy people. 
<laughs> and then he's got his slip in there, Joe Biden. Now he's fouled my mood. In fact, I feel so soiled by that, so taken advantage of by Jerry, that I need a shower. <laughs> my, my. Let's go to Charlie calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Charlie. Curtis, I got a cool and the king story for you. I, I, I called you before because I, I used to be a rapper, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to divulge it now, but I'm working on a rap for your mayoral campaign, but that's for another time. My story for Cool with Cool the Gang is I used to work at Sam Ass Music in 48th Street in Manhattan. I used to sell equipment to uh, Wu-Tang Clan, Staten Island, all those guys. One day, the saxophone player, Dennis Thomas, walked into Sam Ash. And he was with Cool in the Gang for 50 years. He died in 2021. So I'm a salesman there. I'm talking to him. Oh, oh, hey, I met him. Ha, 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 how you doing? So we're talking about jazz. And, you know, I scat sing a little bit. You know, so we were having like a little battle back and forth. You know, we were friendly. And he goes and I go. We have an exchange. And and I didn't say I beat him. He was pretty good. He wasn't great, but he was good. And it was about even. He goes at the end of it, and I go to shake his hand, hey, or I, you know, I, I high-five him, hey, it was cool. He goes into this racist tirade, man. What are you doing playing our music? That's not your music. You don't want why don't you want you to do country music. You don't belong to. You got no business trying to do anything with this music. It was so ugly and so racist. I was like, wow. And it was it was uh, Dennis Thomas. It was uh, he was with two of the gang for 50 years. So, you know, the apple doesn't far, fall far from the tree. They're probably all like that. Well, that's the old cool in the gang. Followers of Scooey Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. But I will tell you, Charlie, wannabe rapper, uh, I have to forgive them. I mean, this is winter sadness, right? I haven't had my light therapy because it's dark out right now and we can be heard all over the world, the number one station. From the peaks of the Himalaya Mountains to the lowest elevation in the world. This time I'm going to say um, the Dead Sea, which I've swum in, where you could see Jordan to one side. You're in the middle of Israel and you're saying... What the hell am I doing here with all this salt getting in my eye? They said, oh, jump in like all the Russians that were loving every second of it. I hated Dead Sea. I hated the Dead Sea. Side of Midnight, 77 WABC. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Oh, this is good. Summer sadness. Taken off after the winter madness by the old cool in the gang. As opposed to the party time, new cool in the gang. We must differentiate. I heard in that promo, he mentioned uh, Adam Sandler, right? 
who's a Hanukkah song guy, you know, Zohan, you know, the greatest IDF warrior ever to come out of Israel, ended up wearing light loafers to become a hairstylist in New York, to snack on a Palestinian woman. What, did he make $200 million on that at the box office? You notice Jerry Seinfeld goes to Israel to show support for the Jews. Where's Adam Sandler, huh? Missing in action. But hey, you Jews, give him a pass, right? Come see, come see. You like the Hanukkah song? Oh, this is so good. Oh, this is so good. I broke my freaking glasses. I can't believe this. Guy got me so upset, that heavy breather. <sighs> see? You could be a hater. But you can't hate this song. You know, I, I see Scooey Louis Farrakhan and all the fruits of Islam, right? All the bow tie wearing boys that I used to approach and say, Oh, you hate me? I'm a white devil, huh? You hate me? What are you going to do about it, huh? What are you going to do about it? They wouldn't even sell me uh, a daily call, right? What dollar newspaper there? Or buy alley and bean pie. No, it's the daily call, not the final call, because they try to sell you the same damn newspaper on the Meridian in the middle of all the streets every day. I already got this copy. Shut up, you white devil. Hey, take my money and then call me a white devil. Let's go to Chris, who's calling from Beth Page. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Chris. Hey, Curtis, a couple things. Number one is Bruce Springsteen. That was the first song from the very first album. Pretty much the first song you ever put out, Blinded by the Light. And hold on a second. Hold on. You, you think I'm a schmuck? I'm a putz? You know, I may not be Cousin Brucey, the greatest DJ of all times. But I, I know what a Bruce Springsteen song is. I hate the boss. I really do, right down to the marrow of my bones. But you're trying to tell me that Blinded by the Light Manfred Mann was written by Bruce Springsteen. You expect me to believe that? You must think that I'm not a cognoscente when it comes to music, Chris. No, I know. I I mean, maybe you're goofing around, Curtis, because I know you and you know your music, but you have to know that that is clearly Bruce Springsteen. Oh, clearly. Would you bet every nickel, diamond, penny you have in the world before the IRS takes it all? Yes. I'll bet a million dollars, one million dollars. Oh, well, you better go out and win Powerball or Lotto because I know, Chris, you don't have a million dollars. How do you like that? Tries to fake me out there. Oh, I bet a million dollars. Does this sound like Bruce Springsteen to you? Does this sound like a tune he would write? Now, this sounds like Bruce Springsteen, that Shamu, El Jefe, Chris Christie, who got dissed and dismissed by Bruce in over 183 concerts that he would do the Jiggle Wiggle. This is Bruce Springsteen, who I hate, I loathe, I despise with Stevie Van Zandt with the schmata on his head. Oh, boy. Let's go to Warren in Deposit, New York, where they want to make it so that you get 10 cents for a deposit instead of a nickel on a can or a bottle. Right, Warren? Yeah, that, that'd be super, Curtis. My question to you is, Curtis, tonight is, yes, you play great music, okay? But 
wouldn't once in a while be nice to uh, to start your show out with a pledge of allegiance? Because I don't think uh, I'm a veteran, and I don't think most of the people in America even know what the pledge of allegiance says or even what it means. Warren, you live in a very small community. What are you about a thousand people up there? About a thousand. Well, if you count dogs, chickens, cows, about fifteen hundred. I know it well. Drove through it one time, and let me tell you something. My eyes were wide open. I didn't even know I was in Deposit, New York. But let me mention to you, you you struck a nerve. The most embarrassing thing for Americans is to ask them, uh, we're going to start this meeting, we're going to do the Pledge of Allegiance, and, hey, hey, Frank, could you come up here and lead us with the Pledge of Allegiance? You know how many people go, or we're going to sing the national anthem. Uh, Okay, Frank, could you come up here? Everybody here likes to sing, right? They all like to sing instead of talk on the radio. Maybe we should get all of our talk show hosts to come up and talk show hostesses and sing the national anthem. That's an excellent idea, Warren. Thank you. Thank you. But in order to be a little more hip and happening and be extraordinarily patriotic, on a Friday night going into a Saturday morning when I'd have my uh, dancing shoes on, oh, yeah, and I'd have my polyester flame retardant shirt on, Along with my bell-bottom pants, it was a gift from the French. They gave us so many gifts. Although I got to tell you, if you go over to France, can't stand the people. But remember, without them, we would never have won the Revolutionary War against the King and the Brits. They gave us the Statue of Liberty in the harbor, right? And they gave us this great disco song by Patrick Jouvet, who said, this is my gift to America. A disco song with meaning warrant. So, uh, although I don't do the Pledge of Allegiance during the show, and I don't uh, play the National Anthem or God Bless America, only when Kate Smith sang it because the Yankees have banned uh, her from uh, singing the rendition during the seventh inning stretch. Randy Levine, you'll pay for that. There was no reason to do that. George Steinbrenner, the wish of the boss after the attack of 9-11 is that Kate Smith would always sing God Bless America, her rendition during the seventh inning stretch. Or America the Beautiful. Warren, I got to tell you about the time with Tony Bennett. There we were. Remember when the Yankees finally won the World Series after years of being with Baseman Bertha? Speaking of uh, George Steinbrenner, the father, was 96. Finally, we broke that curse in the World Series. We win it. It's Michael Kay and John Sterling. I'm down there at City Hall where they were assembling to come through the Canyon of Heroes, that drunken rabble that have taken toilet paper, toilet paper, and dunking it in water and throwing it at everybody passing by. Not the Yankees. Me and John Sterling and Michael Kay. And I remember... Reaching a City Hall, where Rudy Giuliani was having a celebration for the world champion New York Yankees. Yankees win! Yankees win! Yankees win! And Tony Bennett did not sing the national anthem. Instead, he sang America the Beautiful. And I called him unpatriotic, a man who had served us in war, 
And then later on, years later, on the Russian Hill in San Francisco, I saw him coming out of a cabaret where he was performing, and I was with the San Francisco Guardian Angels. And Broadway Billy, you know what he said to me? He said, Curtis, Curtis, I heard what you said about me on WABC. Wait, you called me unpatriotic? You realize the high notes of the national anthem? I can't hit those high notes any longer. I don't want my voice to crack and then people thinking, hey, I better hang it up, Tony Bennett. This is long before he was Lady Gaga. I felt so bad. I wanted to impale myself right there. Oh, God. Here it is. Tony Bennett came out in front of all my guys in San Francisco. Yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. What'd you say about me? What'd you, what am I supposed to say, right? Guys like Joe DiMaggio, who came from San Francisco. I mean, come on. You know, you say Bennett, Tony Bennett, Frank Sinatra, Joe DiMaggio. I had to feebly apologize. He didn't sing the national anthem because he couldn't hit the high notes any longer. Couldn't hit those soprano notes like uh, Frankie Valley, right? Oh, man, the pipes. Wow. So, hey, Patrick Jouvet, I, I love America. Great disco rendition. Hey, that's my contribution. You're right. Up there in Deposit, New York, where there's like a thousand people. I got to play more patriotic music, but I got to make sure it's hip, it's happening, because they got to be better than the, the Staten Island Supreme Cuisine or. Greatest DJ of all time, Cousin Brucey, or Tony Orlando without Dawn. Allegiance one day, and he walked over, this little old teacher, Mr. Laswell was his name. Mr. Laswell, he says, uh, <clears throat> <laughs> he says, I've been listening to you boys and girls recite the Pledge of Allegiance all semester, and it seems as though it's becoming monotonous to you. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Oh, 
What a great jam, Marvin Gaye. Now that's spelled with an E. You know, he added an E on to his last name, Gay. No relationship to Claudine Gay, who got sacked as the Harvard Chancellor, and rightfully so. But he added an E to his last name because he didn't want to have the same last name as his father in Los Angeles that he was always battling with. And then you speak about, as we just spoke, having a different uh, feeling in the fall and in the winter. When uh, all of a sudden there's more darkness than there is light, and you really feel like you're depressed. That's the feeling they call it seasonal affective disorder, sad like a sad sack exactly what Marvin Gaye suffered from. He'd have such deep depression, not because uh, it was summer or spring versus winter or fall, but he had those mental health demons that plagued him, no matter how great his success. With all of the Motown hits he had, with all the money he had made, He did the unthinkable. He went back to live with his mom and dad. And as you know, he got into an argument with his father, and his father shot him and killed him. Wow. Talk about, you see, the danger of being a mameluke. The danger of being a mameluke. Tommy Cutlitz, the giant quarterback, who probably won't play this weekend against... The Eagles at MetLife Stadium, last game of the year. But then again, he may end up being called off the bench. That Mama Luke who still lives at home and his mother makes his bed and makes some chicken cutlets. And everybody went, ooh, meantime he's a Mama Luke. I, I, I don't like Mama Lukes. I got Frank Morano right the other side of midnight, a real Mama Luke. And of course, 
I don't think you know this. With the Mets signing Harrison Bader originally with the Yankees, this guy came from a family of wealth up in East Chester, West Chester, went to Horace Mann High School, great center fielder, paying him $10 million for one year. But uh, he lives at home. He's a mamaluk. His father was Jewish, still is, is the lead attorney for Verizon, grew up in Bensonhurst where he met his mother, Siciliano, Sicilian Catholic, and even though he was born of a Catholic mother, he was raised Jewish. But what a Mama Luke he is. He probably likes chicken parmesan too that his mother, the Siciliano, makes East Chester. As a guy who was born with a silver spoon in his mouth, great baseball player, went on to play with Florida University with who? The polar bear. That's right. Mr. Met. It doesn't get any better than that. And they call themselves the Diesel Brothers. Hey, good find, New York Met fans. I hate you, but uh, you only got a good find there. Another Mama Luke. We got Tommy Cutlets, Mama Luke. We got uh, Harrison Bader, still lives at home, Mama Luke, because nobody does it better than Mommy, right? These Italian mothers, see? These Italian mothers, they spoil their sons. A guy's 45 years old, doesn't want to move out of the house because nobody does it better than Mommy. And Marvin Gaye, although his mother was not Italian in Los Angeles, was a real Mama Luke who kept going back to be with his mother, although he hated his father, imagine his last name was Gay, G-A-Y, and he put on an E. And when asked, he said, because I didn't want to be associated with my father. And still, in order to be back with his mother in his house in South Central Los Angeles, went to live with her. His father was there. They get into an argument. One shot, bang. This great musical uh, contributor from Motown. Hey, you know, he was the number one guy. I know, I, I know the argument, right? Uh, Diana Ross and the Supremes. I get it, the Temptations. And who is that? If he has one more facelift, his uh, face is going to snap like an old rubber band, Smokey Robinson. Enough with the facelift, Smokey. Enough. This was the man, right? Come on. This was the man. Boom, gone. Out of this world. Now, why am I talking about this? I'll tell you why. Because it's just as popular as Marvin Gaye was and continues to be after death. I thought the other day when I was watching that video from that courtroom in Las Vegas. And that guy made that leap at that judge, that woman who was sentencing him in that courtroom. I could have sworn that was O.J. Simpson. I know he's older, he's not the O.J. number 32 of the Buffalo Bills or the USC Trojans or the San Francisco 49ers. I got to tell you, because I didn't hear the sound. All I saw was this guy leaping. I mean, just left over the banister like he was uh, in the Olympic Games doing the high jump. And he said he wanted to kill that Clark County District Judge Mary Kay Holfus. Because she was sentencing him on attempted battery with uh, substantial bodily harm. Now, I don't know what that, that meant. He tried to kill somebody else. 
so he was so obsessed with killing this judge that he flew over the barrister. You remember seeing it. And then you had the law clerk. He starts pounding him. You had the uh, sheriff from Clark County who was in, who tried to restrain him, who ended up getting punched in the face himself, had to take 25 stitches. And what a brouhaha, I mean, look, there have been fights in the courtroom before. Generally, it is the suspect, the accused, who ends up turning on his defense attorney because, hey, you didn't defend me enough, and starts to pile drive him right there. I have never seen anything like this. The 62-year-old judge was unable to read the prison sentence as uh, this madman rushed her, leapt over that uh, banister, and knocked her off her seat. You see, it took about, what, half a dozen court and law enforcement officials to subdue him. And then he was babbling, showing how uh, emotionally disturbed persons, right? They're going to act up even in the craziest the way he said, the judge had it out for me. The judge is evil. But he apologized to all the officers, says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you guys. I just wanted to kill the judge. In fact, let's go, if we can, uh, Broadway Bill Lee to the actual newscast that came out of Las Vegas, where whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I just can't with that history. In accordance with the laws of state of this court... Yeah, the convict there who dove onto the Las Vegas judge during his sentencing on Tuesday refused to show up in court today. Footage from the courtroom shows the 30-year-old defendant tackling the Nevada District Court judge behind the bench there. He's now facing 13 charges, including seven new counts of battery for attacking the judge and the officers who came to her rescue. He's due back in court on Tuesday. We'll see if he shows up. And when he does show up on Tuesday, this judge that he tried to kill, County District Judge Mary Kay Holthus, she will not be presiding over the case any longer. Can you blame her? This guy nearly killed her. In all the wild, crazy things that I have ever seen in courtrooms on videotape from across America, even across the world, I've never seen anything like that. The guy bolted, jumped over that barrister, flew over it. And just momentarily, I thought, yeah, I thought Broadway Bill Lee was O.J. Simpson, who now lives in Las Vegas. And I was thinking, theater of the mind here, that that judge is saying, oh, Mr. Simpson, uh, you know, you killed Nicole Brown Simpson, your wife and her boyfriend, Ron Goldman, 25 years ago. I find you guilty as charged. And with Johnny Cochran no longer being around, that O.J. Simpson sort of found his old number 32 in him. Remember when he did that, that the commercial for Hertz running through the airport, jumping over things, you know, with Arnold Palmer? Where the hell was he from in Pennsylvania? I forget. Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Remember Arnold Palmer and O.J. Simpson? I mean, O.J. Simpson was Mr. Madison Avenue. He promoted every product. You looked at O.J. Simpson, people say, he's not black. He's O.J. Simpson. And then he discovered his blackness when he was on trial for murdering his former wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, and her boy toy, Ron Goldman. Slit their throats! Cut their heads off! 
I could easily have seen that being a young O.J. Simpson. And remember those commercials? OJ? Hey, wasn't he on that uh, movie Airplane, right? Man, I'm telling you, he had it all. What was he wearing, those Ferragamo shoes? I forget what those Italian shoes were. In Buffalo, New York? Come on already. The guy played in Buffalo, what, from 69 to 77, then went on to the San Francisco 49ers? I'm just imagining, when I saw that guy fly over that banister, I was imagining, although I don't think they played the same time. Imagine O.J. Simpson, right? They give him the ball, they're near the goal line, and in the center of the line, oh, yeah. Now I'm going back into the 80s. I know this probably didn't happen. Joe Kleckel, my favorite jet in the sack exchange, right up there on the front line, because Polish. You know where Joe Klecko grew up, Broadway Billy? Know how he became so tough? He told me the story one time. Grew up in Chester, Pennsylvania. When you look at Chester, Pennsylvania on one side of Philadelphia and across the Delaware River, Camden, they're like two butt cheeks. There's Camden on the Jersey side. There's Chester on the Pennsylvania side. Those are tough cities. And sandwiched in between is Philadelphia. Joe Klecko told me he'd be on his way to Catholic school in the morning, and all the brothers there would give him a beatdown. He'd have to go through a phalanx. He had to go through an Apache line. That toughened him up when he went to Temple University and then on to form, help form the New York Jets Sack Exchange. I had images of uh, Mark Gastineau, Joe Klecko, Marty Lyons. I got Abdul Salam. Whatever happened to Abdul Salam, right? I I always wonder, what kind of a name is that, Abdul Salam? Anyway, I can just imagine, again, theoretical, hypothetical. I don't think they ever played against one another. O.J. Simpson being given the handoff at the goal line and soaring over the sack exchange with Mark Estenow saying curses he got into the end zone. Did you see that? I have never seen anything like that in my life. Now, what's going to happen to this guy? The way our court system is, our criminal justice system, now they're a lot tougher in Nevada, a lot tougher in Clark County than encompasses Las Vegas. And I'm telling you, he's not going to end up doing triple life without parole. I mean, this guy has already served time in prison for domestic battery charges. But it's always been he's given a few months and then he's back out. I mean, that's a rage. Even people pissed off at judges before, right, when they get sentenced. But I have never seen anything like that. This guy is a madman. Now they're calling him like Superman, the way he jumped over that barrister. Our numbers one 800 That's one 800 W.A.B.C. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, I'm cu- Oh, duck down, D.A. Brown. Oh, 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 wait, wait. Oh, my memory is serving me up. Duck down, D.A. Brown. When we come back, I got to tell you that. But first, let's go to Bobby in Jersey City. Your turn to be heard here at W.A.B.C., Bobby. Thanks for taking the call, Curtis. You know, Curtis, I was on the room with my wife. You know, she's an emergency room nurse, and she sees all the madness up in Hoboken. But Curtis, and she said that that cat got out that day after he dove onto that judge. I was just like, you know, it's just, it's over. It's just, it's insanity. Insanity, Curtis. 
and, and I got a quick guess. And Klecko uh, guessed the story. I was playing in the league at Hofstra, and Klecko was out with his busted knee, and, and we were playing baseball league over there. And he came over to watch the game. Nice guy, big guy, like you said, like a refrigerator. And uh, he gave us some skull. He gave us a whole bunch of skull. And uh, the previous year, Gaston passed the, the uh, picket line. And I asked, I said, Joe, what's up with Gaston? You know, he was a hot dog. Show off out there. And he said, he said, Gaston, he's a D-bag. I laughed. I laughed. It was funny. Oh, right, so oh, so you, were, you were swapping chew, huh? A little chew yeah, there. Yeah. What, did you put it right between your cheek and your your, your, your teeth? Yeah, yeah, right in the front, Curtis. There's a dipper. I called it dipper. Yeah, skull. Yeah, beautiful back in the day, but not too good for later on, you know. No, no, no. You know, you know, used to dip uh, the skull, man. You'd see him in the dugout at Yankee Stadium, number seven, Mickey Mantle. He had a little bit of that chew in his mouth. He'd be yep. spitting all over the place. Yep, and, and Keith Hernandez, my man. He's, he was always smoking cigarettes, sneaking out, sneaking off on the side, smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Oh, let me tell you something. It wasn't just Keith Hernandez. Uh, it was Lee Mazzelli. He was a degenerate smoker in the dugout. And the one who led the pack years before that, Joe DiMaggio. Yeah, he did the ads. He did the commercials, right? He'd be, he did, uh, lucky, he'd be, lucky strikes. He'd be smoked. That's right. Lucky Strikes, Marlboro Red, Chesterfield without the cigarette, without the filters, you know, chest breakers. Oh, later on, you're not going to want to miss our retrospective about Yul Brenner, man. You talk about a guy who was smoking since he was 12. And did what was the very first commercial against smoking. I'll never forget. I saw it staring dead into the camera. This is months before he's going to die of lung cancer. He knows that. And he does probably the best PSA of all time against smoking. Oh, you got to find that right now. Oh, you got to look at that. Oh, my God. I'm telling you, the Yul Brenner thing, we're going to be talking about it later on was the best PSA against smoking. I don't care all the ones that Bloomberg did. No, 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 no. It really doesn't matter. It's not ready for prime time. The one he did hit home. It was so good. I'm telling you. This is after a stellar career on the stage, in movies, The Magnificent Seven week ago. Yo, Brenner, the king and I, right? And he knew he was going to die of lung cancer. And you could see it was beginning to ravage him. But he said, I must. I must do this commercial before I die. And it played over and over and over and haunts me. I can't say that's the reason I didn't smoke. I smoked for about a year once they kicked me out of high school. Ladies and gentlemen, the late Yul Brynner. I really wanted to make a commercial when I discovered that I was that sick. And my time was so limited. I wanted to make that commercial that says simply, now that I'm gone, I tell you, don't smoke. Whatever you do, just don't smoke. If I could take back that smoking, we wouldn't be talking about any cancer. I'm convinced of that. One of the greatest actors of all time, Academy Award winner, Tony Award winner. And you could see the lung cancer was beginning to ravage the bald-headed wonder that Yul Brenner was. Oh, you're not going to want You're going to stay up to the break of dawn. I'm going to tell you things about Yul Brenner. Many of you say, oh, I know everything about Yul Brenner. No, you don't. And I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments, you know, the Pharaoh going through the Red Sea with Charlton Heston playing Moses. We're going to talk about that, too. 
And now they're claiming it wasn't an act of God, the parting of the Red Sea. Oh, no, no, no. They're claiming, oh, uh, because of the time of year, it may have occurred, it may have been a natural phenomenon. They're even taking that away from us. They want to take everything. And we're not talking the hooties, the hootie, 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 right? Hooties and the blowfish, you know, the Red Sea uh, shooting at cargo containers and oil tankers going through the Red Sea on their way to the Suez Canal into the Mediterranean. No, that's not what we're talking about. You're going to hear enough of that during the week on WABC. In fact, that's all you hear. Gives me a headache. But we're into our entertainment mode, and my responsibility is to take you until the break of dawn. And nobody's going to sleep on me. Nobody's going to sleep on me. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? It's another side of midnight, 77 WABC. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. D.C. from the land down under. It has become the theme song for the show that I do with Andrew Giuliani on Sundays from 8 to 9. He's enrolled in my Curtis Sliwa Talk Radio boot camp. Got to shape him up there, Broadway Billy. He's coming along. He's starting to make strides. A.C., you know what that stands for? No, it's not psychosexual. I know what you're thinking. It has nothing to do with being psychosexual. A.C., Curtis Lee were always complaining. D.C., Andrew Giuliani, because the way things look now, if in fact Trump beats Biden in the general election, I have a feeling Andrew is on his way back to D.C. for another four-year hitch, working for the Donald. But anyway, uh, he's coming along. My wife, surprise, surprise, she's come along. She's enrolled in the Curtis Lee boot camp and talk radio. She really came into her own last week. I had her on the Rip and Read every day. She does the deep dive as an e-attorney. Exposed, Thrive, the f- program that was a ripoff of $1.5 billion by Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor then, and his uh, wife, the thief, Charlene. And she exposed how it has been uh, repurposed and now exists. Oh, yeah. In the Eric Adams administration, under a different name, housed in a different facility. That's why you got to listen. She's so good. I have her on the rip and read now Monday, excuse me, Tuesdays and Thursdays to do the deep dive. She joins me on Sunday nights from 9 to 10, where we talk about a potpourri of topics. And, of course, the animal welfare show from 10 to 11, uh, which will now in February be syndicated by our parent company, Red Apple Media in which it'll be heard from coast to coast. And then the other enrollee uh, in my Curtis Lewa talk radio boot camp 
stellar graduate so far, Dominic Carter. He had joined me the other morning as we substituted for Sid Rosenberg, who was away shooting a film. And I'll never forget, about halfway through the program, Dominic Carter said to me, he goes, you know, I have only one regret. So what is that, Dominic? He goes, I went to the Syracuse University School of Journalism. I should have gone to the Syracuse University Law School. I said, that's when uh, Joe Biden was busted for plagiarism. He had stolen a speech by Neil Kinnock, who had been the labor leader who battled Maggie Thatcher, the Iron Lady, in the coal miners' strike over in the U.K. And uh, then Joe Biden, student in the law school, had purloined, plagiarist that he, that he was, the speech. And he goes, no, 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 I wanted to go to the law school because I could have been a better lawyer than Johnny Cochran. What? I said, Dominic Carter, Johnny Cochran, he's a smooth operator. Are you kidding? He said, no, I, I, I could have been a better lawyer than Johnny Cochran. Uh, I said, Dominic Carter, stick to talk radio. You finally got over the fact that you're never going to be a TV reporter again. Now you're going to be a great talk show host. And he's on his way. And the other person enrolled, Anthony Weiner, right? Oh, I had to work him over for over a year. He's ready for prime time. Now he's getting in the ring four to five after he does his two-hour solo show. In just a few hours, he's on two to four. And then the big guy, John Katsimatidis, is getting in there. John looked forward to it. He told me last week, stay home. You got the itch. I said, yeah, I got the itch. But, hey, come on. Nobody tells me to stay home. He goes, look, I'm the owner-operator. I'm telling you to stay home. And so he got in the ring instead. He liked it so nice, he's going to do it. It's apparently every Saturday, 4 to 5, they got the promo on now. Happy New Year. Sarah, Sarah. Whatever Whatever will be, will be. be. I don't quite get this. They beat each other up for an hour. And then at the end of it, they're singing K Sarah, Sarah. Let me tell you, John, if you're listening now, and Anthony Weiner, save it for the shower stall. Happy New Year. Oh, Sarah, yeah. Sarah. Oh, yeah. Give me a hand. Whatever will oh. be, will be. Oh. The future's not ours to see. You know, if I was a terrorist at Gitmo and you were subjecting me to waterboarding or sleep deprivation by playing... Uh, Yoko Ono over and over, you know, screaming. Uh, if they came on, Anthony Weiner and John Katsimatidis singing Kesara Sarah, I would give them any of the information they want, any of the torturers, the interrogators, the inquisitors. I would tell them anything. We got some real lousy singers here at WABC. James Golden. Uh, I'll tell you whatever you want to know. God, John Lennon left the Beatles for this? What is she giving childbirth there? Stop. Stop, please. My, the audience is going to turn off. Oh, I'd rather have Root Canal. Shoot me again five times with hollow point bullets. I tell you whatever you wanted to know. Oh, God. Whatever will be, will be. Oh, 24 hours from now, we're going to critique everybody who has sung here. I've saved all of these cuts. Oh, here we go. What did you find, son? Because. Hey, Bo Snurdy. 
You know no. Frankie Crocker. You know Vaughn Harper. I knew him over at WBLS. You're not. And you got Frank Morano singing the Oscar Mayer hot dog song. Oh, God. Oh, I wish I were an Oscar Mayer, Frank. Oh! That is what I truly like to be. Enough already. For if I I'll were tell you, an Oscar I'll Mayer, tell you Frank, whatever you want to know. Everyone would be in love with me. God, that's got to be the worst. Anyway, enough of that. Say, you're giving it all away. 24 hours till the break of dawn, Sunday morning, 12 to 6. I'm going to critique them all. They all got to stop. We won't have an audience left. Let's go to Anthony in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Anthony. Hey, Curtis, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, what, are you, what, better days. what are you, a freaking horse? Hey. <laughs> what are you, Mr. Yeah, Ed? What are you, Mr. My Ed? How you Mr. doing? <laughs> That's a good one. Mr. Ed, the talking horse. Yeah, anyway, real, looking- you, you know how Mr. Ed's... Uh, Lips used to move when he was talking. Or who the hell was that, Ed or whatever the guy? The guy yeah, he was from yeah. a dream of genie and all that. They used to put electronic charges underneath his lips, and then they would oh. hit it, and they would torture the poor horse so it would appear that he was talking. But he sounded just like you there, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, listen, buddy, I wanted to tell you, um, AC is stands for alternating current, and DC stands for direct current. It's electric. It has to do with electricity. No, 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 it doesn't. <laughs> you know, you better go back and eat your bale of hay, Anthony. ACDC is a psychosexual term. It's about one's sexual preferences. Didn't you know that? I didn't know that, but I know it's like I said. AC stands for alternating current. And DC for direct current. Yeah, 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 yeah. You could save it for Thomas Edison and for uh, Tesla there. You know, the arguments about electricity. Let me give you brass tacks right here. Uh, let me imagine, Anthony, you got some chaps on and a cowboy hat, and you're going to the anvil in the dungeon in uh, Chelsea and Greenwich Village, and you walk into that what looks to be an all-male review bar, and they say to you straight up, Hey, you, we ain't seen you around here. What's your name? And you say, I'm Anthony. And they say, are you AC or are you DC? You, you, kabish? Kabish? Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. All right. I didn't know that. Oh, well, why don't you try that? Put on a pair of chaps. Put on a cowboy hat. Strut your stuff in Greenwich Village, Chelsea. Go to the dungeon or the anvil and... No, no. No, no, wait. How you doing? Hey, look. I, I, don't, I, I don't go that way. It's a new me. experience for you, Anthony. <laughs> And put it yeah. on your bucket items, you know, your list of bucket items. No, I'd rather be with a woman. Hey, look, there are guys there who dress like women, too. You wouldn't know. And yeah. Everyone was staring, and I was like, oh, okay, what's going on? And they were all staring directly at my crotch. And I went, I oh, like I forgot woman. that my crotch doesn't look like other women's crotches sometimes because mine doesn't look like a little Barbie pocket. Peekaboo, I see you. That's Dylan Mulvaney, a Bud Light fan. Yeah, well, you could keep Dylan Mulvaney. I don't, I, I like I said, I'm not into that crap. Let me tell you something, Anthony. ACDC, uh, you know, that so disturbs my wife, uh, Nancy, because you know why he tried to outdo Tesla when it came to electricity? He electrocuted what? an elephant in, a, in an electric chair. 
Did you ever see that, that old black and white? He wanted to show how AC was superior to DC, so he electrocuted an elephant. (laughs) By the way, did you happen to know that Thomas Edison, uh, the city named after him in Jersey, the mayor there, got all big and bad with Governor Abbott. He said, you send any of those migrants to Edison on the Jersey Turnpike, I'll turn them right around and send them back to you in Texas. You know what Abbott said to that little pisher, that little schmendrick? Oh, you're going to be a tough guy? I sent two buses to Edison. I'm now going to send 20 buses. And then all of a sudden, the mayor of Edison was saying while he was having his curry, because there are Indian people living all over there now, no moss, no moss, no. I didn't mean that, Abbott. <laughs> See, you learn a lot. You learn, you bring up one subject, and then I move in like a thousand different directions, Anthony, because I, I have a, attention deficit disorder. Yeah, I have OCD. Oh, really? See? Yeah, really? See, you do go, you do go a psychosexual way, OCD. Ah, see? No, it has nothing to do with sex. Hey, look, you plug in differently. I get it. ACDC, OCD. No. Hey, look, you're bisexual. No. I get it. OCD. No, I'm not bisexual. Well, wait a second. You're either ACDC or OCD, which means you go both ways. No, no, no. No, obsessive compulsive disorder. Oh, look, you could call it whatever you want, that acronym. When you go to the anvil, when you go to the dungeon in your chaps with a cowboy hat on and you're strutting your stuff and they say, we haven't seen you around here, pal, and you say, I'm Anthony, I'm OCD. They say, oh, you go both ways. <laughs> Anybody tries to touch me that way and everything, they're going to give me for a world of hurt. Have you seen these guys all buffed up in the dungeon and in the anvil? Man, those guys, look, they could crush you right in their hand. Wow, Broadway Bill Lee, this guy doesn't know. I can see him going into the club, you know, ordering a drink. Hey, we haven't seen you around here. What are you? He doesn't say AC, doesn't say DC, says I'm OCD. And they say, oh. You go both ways, huh? Excuse me, ma'am. No porn at the bar. Oh, it's okay. I'm transgender. Oh, I, I had no idea. Do whatever you want all the time. See? It's a new day, new way, Anthony. Now, remember it was uh, Al Pacino in that movie? What the hell was he wearing that cap, that, that biker's cap on? He was wearing chaps. He was like... Uh, what do they call that? Strolling or something? I'm trying to remember right now. It was right in the village. It was right in Chelsea. Strolling. No, no, no. I got the wrong name. I wonder if in that movie it was ACDC or OCD. What do you think, Broadway Bill Lee? Oh, you, you don't even want to. You don't want to even offer. What, what movie am I talking about, folks? I said, my God. What what the hell is Al Pacino doing out there wearing chaps and that uh, biker's cap on? Seems like he's trying to attract other guys in the middle of the night near the piers in Greenwich Village on the stroll there in Chelsea. What what was that movie called? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Every 
How many guys out there at a casino somewhere in America? Five-car draw poker, right? Broadway Bill Lee. And now it's time to fess up or you mess up. Okay, a call. What's your hand? Three kings. Ha-ha, it's Three Kings Day, right? We're right into Three Kings Day. The end of the epiphany, right? The Three Kings. Where did they come from? They came from Persia, a.k.a. Iran. Let me see. Hezbollah? Hmm, no. Hamas? Hmm, no. Hooties? Hooties? Hooties in the blowfish? No. The Three Kings. And Broadway, Bill Lee, just so you know, we believe in diversity and equity. Whoever wrote that piece in the Bible, one of those three kings was a brother. Yeah, you notice that? I don't know if he brought spice or merm or whatever they call those things to the little baby Jesus there, right? The three kings. It's three kings day. I'm supposed to get all excited, really? Nope. But you better believe. At a lot of uh, poker tables and casinos around America. Right now, you're in some darkened room. There's no clocks. You don't know if it's day or night. You're playing five-card draw poker. And you call everybody out because you say, hey, I got three kings. It's three kings day. I win. The pot is all mine. I'm not talking about the stuff you smoke. I'm talking about the chips, the money, the moolah shmoolah, the ducats. And then get out while the going's good, Broadway Billy, because if you sit at that table and you continue to play five-card draw poker, that's what my wife, Nancy, loves to play it. Me, forget it. I gamble only with my life. She'd sit there for hours. You know, those programs they have on TV, you know, Casino Royale. She'll watch that. She'll be playing that, you know, that game they have, man. She wins. She has, hey, Curtis. You give me a little bit of money, I, I could double, triple it. I say, yeah, go ahead, knock yourself out. Where are you going to go? Up in the Catskills, huh? Atlantic City, where are you going to go? Going to go to uh, where Eric Holrich was going at Aldo's in Oso Park, trying to figure out where a five-card draw poker game was being played in the wee hours in the morning at Howard Beach in Ozone Park? That's double trouble. That's a Bonanno crime family special. Oh, we are moving in a lot of directions. Hey, Eric Oldridge, you listening there? You're going to be in jail soon, you crook. Anyway, let's go to the uh, phones. It's uh, Mario calling from Rockland. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mario. Hey, what's up, Curtis? A couple of things, if you don't mind. Number one, that Pacino movie was called Cruising. That's right. Cruising. And that wasn't in a 59 Chevy Impala, right? No, it was not. It was the most disturbing movie I've ever seen in my life. Wow, wow. You never, you never saw a guy, you know, pull his hose out in front of other guys? Man, the up-to-the-elbow scenes was not was not good. No, you're right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. It's like, what anatomically? How the hell did you do that? <laughs> I want to know who thought of this in the first place. Those are the things that um, um, intrigue me. When certain things you find out about that are wacky, but originally you go, well, who thought of this? Like, who said, you know what? Let me try this. That's Those are the things that really get to you. I know. I know who thought about that. Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> All right, so listen, Curtis, I got two more things. I got to hit you with three questions like I always do. But before that, you mentioned the, you mentioned, uh, the Ten Commandments. 
All right. Um, who did the casting? Who picked Edward G. Robinson to be in a biblical movie? Oh, because is that he, Cecil B. DeMille? He was still, no, that's not the question. I'm being sarcastic. He was still little Caesar. Remember when he goes to Moses, he goes, where's your God now, Moses? Oh, that's right. Classic, classic. You're right. You're right. We're going to be talking about that coming up. Oh, that was classic. You're right. You're right. Who the hell casted America's uh, number one gangster, Edward G. Robinson, in the Moses movie? Where, where's your God now, Moses? You're like, I don't think they spoke like that back then, but all right, whatever. All right, here we go, Curtis. You ready? I'm ready. So you're back to 500. Calzones, baked or fried? Uh, not fried, baked. There you go. Monogard, were they making out of like a pasta sheet, like them friggin' store-bought ones, or the homemade crepes? Monogard. How many times my Aunt Mary gave me Monogard today? I'm trying to remember now. I'm trying to remember. It come out of, what's that, Palio Monogarda? Well, yeah, well, you make the regard is the, is the polio, but when you make them homemade, they make it out of like a thin crepe. You can eat like 15, 20 of them. When you buy, when you get in a restaurant or you buy it in the supermarket, it's like a thick pasta. It's too, it's too thick. It's too heavy. That'd be a nice homemade That's true. You end up, uh, with a full belly after taking like two spoonfuls of it. You're right. No, you got me on that. Now go, I gotta go real old school because I don't think anybody, well, nobody, when up back in the Bronx, I used to get it, of course, and I'm sure you got it back in Brooklyn. You remember when you used to get a cannoli? They didn't have chocolate chips in it. They had the little candy, like uh, 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 fruit, like they used to put in the pasta truck. No, I don't remember that. But let me tell you, when I have a cannoli, no chocolate chips. When I used to go uh, to Carvel. I didn't want chocolate sprinkles, and damn, I didn't want rainbow sprinkles because you know what that meant. Oh yeah, no, no, no. You're a fanook if you if you got those. No, you got to if you go if you went uh, sprinkles, you had to go chocolate chip. No sprinkles for me, man. And two fisted, by the way. Speaking of fisted, I'd have two cones at the same time. I'd be one no. after another after another. No, no, no. Well, that's good. But you could also, if you remember, I don't know if they do it anymore. Remember the Mr. Softy used to have that double cone with the one handle? Oh, of course. But no, no. that I, I had to have an individual cone in both hands and try to get it all before it dripped out. And then, as you know, if you ate it too fast, you got the, the, the brain freeze. The brain freeze. Yeah, you can't, eat, you can't eat cones today without them dripping because they don't keep the refrigeration cold enough because they're, they're too cheap. But back then, you could eat a cone without it melting. That's true. And you know how Carvel came about? You know the story of Carvel, Mario? Um, If you remind me, I'm sure I do, because like yourself, I'm a wealth of useless information. Oh, but this is very useful. Remember Tom Carvel? He used to be on at night, all the commercials. Tom Carvel, right? Greek. Greek guy, just like John Katsimatidis. So he's got one of these um, uh, ice cream trucks. I don't know if it was uh, good humor. I don't know if it was bungalow bar. So he's driving around up the hills in Yonkers. You know, he's lost, lost in Yonkers. And all of a sudden, he breaks an axle. 
and the truck is stuck on the roadside. He can't oh, get man. anybody to fix it. And the ice cream begins to melt. So he goes, you know, because before you get the truck, right. you got to lay out some money. He goes, I got to sell this ice cream. So he started serving it, and it was soft. And he's saying, the people are loving this. Hey, screw good humor. Screw bungalow bar, right? Screw Eskimo pie. He started Carvel based on that. And then remember, he was franchising all over the East Coast. You go to Florida, you'd say, oh, my God, there's Carvel down here in Florida. This is paradise. You're right. Once you started, once you started saying about the breaking down, then it rang about. He had that main that main place. It was on Tuckahoe Road in Yonkers. That's right. Well, he was uh-huh. a, he was a Yonkers guy through and through. And remember, he come on with those commercials. Hey, you got to get fudgy the whale, fudgy, fudgy the whale. whale. Oh, then and and, and then the the the, the uh, ice cream cake, the log cake. You know, you, you'd wake up in the middle of the morning. You had all kinds of arch in it. Be two or three in the morning. You'd sneak <laughs> off to the ice box and you take a slice of the log, right? The Carvel log cake. Here's some ice cream cake that only Carvel makes. They're made fresh every day. Cause that's the Carvel way. And while you're at the store. Your participating Carvel dealer also has Hug Me the Bear and Cookie Puss Dolls. You'll love them. Thank you. Remember Cookie Puss, Mario? Oh, yeah. And, and, and you know, you, you rang a bell again with that story. And also, if you remember, they didn't want him to do the commercial. They were like, no, 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 that voice is horrible. He insisted on doing it himself. And that's what made it memorable more than anything else. Oh, absolutely. <sighs> So good. Mario, I used to go in. I wanted the banana boat. I love it because the person behind the counter said, don't you just want, no. I don't want a Sunday. I want the banana boat. I go on the whole nine yards. They had to slice the banana. They had to put the chocolate, the vanilla, the whipped cream. Uh, not enough syrup. Come on, more syrup in that banana boat. Oh, I used to gouge on that banana boat. Hey, it's, it's right. They called it, they called it a banana boat, not a banana split. And you mentioned bungalow boat. I, I, I've told you this before. You know, I can remember, of course. I grew up in uh, St. Anne's Avenue and, and uh, the Jack- Andrew Jackson projects. We used to have good humor. Bungalow Bar, that was like ghetto to me. That that was a make-believe, you know. Bungalow Bar wasn't official. Is that what they had in your neighborhood? Yeah, wait, wait. Ghetto? You were right in the middle of the ghetto. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jackson, Jackson, Jackson Avenue, the projects, number two train right above you. That's the heart <laughs> of the South Bronx. No, 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 not Jackson Avenue. Andrew Jackson Projects. Yeah. Well, oh, no, no, I know. I was, no, I know. I, I go around when people go, where are you from? Where'd you go? I go to the South. They go, you don't sound like you're from the South. I go to South Bronx, the real South Bronx. You can't get it. And when I was on St. Anne's Avenue uh, by St. Mary's Park, two blocks away, you're in Manhattan. That's as South as you can get. 
damn right. And you know, you know, uh, Donald Trump's talking about having a rally in the South Bronx. Yeah, forget that, Donald. But uh, the outer cock of Bernie Sanders, when he almost won the nomination in 2016 from Hillary, they had a rally in St. Mary's Park. 18,000 hipsters and millennials who had been there for the first time wondering, are we going to get mugged? Are we going to get mugged? They ruined it. Do you remember when the plane crashed in St. Mary's Park? No. Back, ah, man, how did big, well, I was out of there, uh, well, I was still in the Bronx, I was in the projects. Maybe, I want to guess, 70-ish, a private plane crashed right right into St. Mary's Park. Wow. You see, I know Morris High School there, that's where Colin Powell went, it was right there. But the plane crashing, the only plane I remember was Park Slope. I was at St. Matthew's Elementary School, Eastern Parkway, Utica Avenue. We heard a boom, and immediately the nun told us, under the desk, like we practice every day when we kiss our left cheek and right cheek in the middle of the Cold War when Nikita Khrushchev said, we will bury you. And it turned out two airlines had crashed over Staten Island. One went down there, and the other one tried to make it to uh, JFK. Didn't make it and crashed right in Park Slope. It's like what? 1961, 62? Wiped out a whole block. But I don't remember the private plane crashing in St. Mary's Park. Right down there in the heart of the South Bronx. He is so right. Used to be all Irish. And then it turned old Puerto Rico. Except in the projects, there were the brothers and sisters there. Oh, a lot of brothers, a lot of sisters. Oh, Mario brought back the memories. Carvel. Check this out. On the weekend. Take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is the politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. <laughs> to the break of dawn, nobody's going to sleep. Nobody, Broadway, Bill Lee. Train. 
Big story this week, not just the derailment on the Upper West Side, the 1, 2, and 3 train, that they still haven't gotten all back together again at the MTA money-taking agency. But what they claim was a nefarious plot, Broadway Bill Lee, by two young men unknown at this time who are on the lam, on the loose, who are at 71st Street Continental, Last stop of the R train, continuation of the E train. And guess what? They stole the train in the station and drove it for a while. You would have thought they were public enemy number one. Listen to the president of the MTA money-taking agency in this wraparound package that was done by news station WRNS. Yeah, pretty wild story here from uh, Forest Hill Station. These three teens taking these two empty uh, train cars for this brief joy ride. And we just heard uh, within the last couple of minutes from Richard Davey, the New York City Transit president. He was uh, a little bit flustered, it seemed like, by the questions he was getting about this. He says, wait a minute, it's not just like anybody can go in and do this. These teens somehow had a key to operate the train. Uh, it wasn't like that. It was like locking your car and having a low jack on it, but someone stealing a low jack key and having a uh, coat hanger to open the car and then hot wiring the damn thing. That's exactly what happened. So these kids knew what they were doing or these people knew what they were doing. And he says when they're caught, in his words, they'll have the book thrown at them. Uh, Davey's saying he's confident that the surveillance video that we have up on our website, in fact, showing these teens in action will lead to a quick arrest. We'll see if that happens. Glenn Shuck, 1010 wins on 92.3 FM. Here at the Forest Hill Station, 71st Avenue in Queens. Yeah, yeah, right. They're going to throw the book at him. You could kill somebody in New York City now. They don't throw the book at you. Uh, to a talking all big and bad. This guy knows not. First off, you can buy these keys online now. You can buy them online, Broadway Bill Lee. Remember, you can buy anything on Amazon. What a schmuck. What a putz. What a pisher. What a schmendrick. Yeah, we're going to throw the book at them. Get out of here. The greatest of all time. Guy who pretended to be a motorman and would drive trains away and then eventually graduated to buses was Darius McCollum. Now, you might say, who's Darius McCollum? Well, first off, I met him as a guardian angel on patrol. I said... That's Darius McCollum. He was dressed all up in MTA garb after he had gotten arrested like 30 times. I had a conversation with him. Kid was brilliant. I think it was autism, maybe Asperger's syndrome. Brilliant. And the guy, I ended up conversing with him. I said, hey, when's your birthday? He said, March 28th. I said, you Aries? That's on March 26th, Aries. I could have been hot-wiring trains. What a dingleberry that MTA guy is. It could have been me because, hey, when I was a kid, hot-wired cars for joy rides, right? With who? <sighs> the Gemini twins from the Gemini Lounge and their brother, Patty Testa, Joey Testa, and the really insane-in-the-brain one, Anthony Centaur, who they're going to release in May. These guys, right? Joey and Anthony Centaur, the Gemini twins... Killed probably between them about a hundred guys. Yeah, yeah, we went for joy rides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden they met Roy DeMeo, and you know the rest of the site said, stay away from that guy. They didn't listen to me. 
Didn't listen to me. Oh, there's that, that film that, uh, you know, Sid Rosenberg was in, Gemini Lounge. Bad, bad boys. Hey, Kurt, you want to ride? You want to ride to the Gemini Lounge? No, no, I'm going to visit my mom there. Hey, for old time's sake, why don't you get in the Cadillac we just stole? Come on, to the Gemini No, it's okay. Uh, got it. Go, go on your way, Patty and Joey and Anthony. They're letting this Anthony Centaur out. I think he's in uh, prison in Pennsylvania. This guy's a psychotic killer. Think I got to watch my back, Broadway Billy? Are you kidding? I taught him how to play stickball. I took that stickball bat. I'm not going to tell you what I did with it. It's the only way to slow that nut down. Right in the kneecaps. He was hobbling down the block. I'll get you. I'll get you. Couldn't even pronounce my name. Slewa, saliva, sal- sewer, whatever. Silva. Uh, he deserved it. Should have hit him in the head. Should have taken him out. Would have spared a lot of people getting killed. Hey, if you're listening in Pennsylvania before they release you, it's only going to be like 68, right? You're a nut job, Anthony, and you always were. Meantime, they got Joey Testa out in Terminal Island there in California. How come they're not releasing him? Patty Testa gone. They whacked him in his fender bender shop right off of, what was it, Forster Avenue. Yeah, I think 88th Street, whatever. Hey, you see, I take you. You see, you may have seen the movie. Nah, it didn't beat the real thing. But anyway, let me tell you a story about Darius McCollum. This guy is an American folk hero. He posed as a New York City subway motorman, bus driver, subway train operator, because he was a train buff. These are young men generally, you'll see them. They're either at the end of a platform or they're riding trains, and they write down the serial numbers of each of the cars, and they compare it. They're pretty much nerds. A lot of times they'll be wearing a hoodie, and I can recognize them right away, and I'll go up and have a conversation with them because I love the subways too. But this guy had a fascination that just wouldn't stop. He would go to the last stop and hang out with the motorman and talk shop, and he ended up wearing the same kind of MTA garb. He'd be sitting there. He was a pretty big kid, and they'd say, hey, kid, you want to take my ride? Hey, I got the E-Train today. Why don't you take it out there? And he'd go up and down on the E-Train like it was a motorman. He'd go to the TWU Local 100 Union meetings. And the guys, the shop stewards would say, Who's this guy? Looks kind of young. Oh, no. He really knows how to drive those trains, man. He's good. The kid is good. Did he Did he pay his union dues? Nah, we gave him a, we gave him a union card. We made him feel like a real motorman. Choo-choo Charlie, the engineer. Remember? Choo-choo Charlie. Choo-choo Charlie, right? Good and plenty. Plenty good. Good and plenty. Plenty good. This kid lived to be a motorman. Plus, he memorized the New York City subway map by age eight. Broadway Billy by age eight. This guy, they did an evaluation of him. They said, oh, he's got Asperger's syndrome, you know, autism, whatever. They should have let him become a motorman. This is, was his dream come true. Instead, they put him in a psychiatric institution for the criminally insane in Rochester. 
I think he's still there. Oh, we're going to talk more about the folk hero, a guy who ended up, they said he stole subway trains and rode them up and down on the tracks. I say you missed out on what would have been one of the greatest motormen of all time, Darius McCollum. He was always found in possession of railroad property. They put him in Sing Sing in 2006. That's where they used to have old Sparky there. Right up there, near big skill. Sing Sing. What the hell, were they going to put him in the electric chair? I don't get it. This guy was so smart. This was not a dumb guy. He was a gentleman. During uh, his arrest, the cops would tell me, man, the guy couldn't be nicer. And what did they, uh, every time they said, hey, you know, we need, we need to give you therapy, he would voluntarily enter it and he would say, there's nothing wrong with me. I just want to drive a train for a living. No, you don't qualify. What the hell? You wanted him to be a Frank? Uh, who is that guy? Remember that Leonardo DiCaprio played in that movie, uh, Catch Me If You Can, in which he uh, pretended to be a Pan Am pilot, an assistant state attorney in Louisiana, a hospital physician in Georgia. You wanted him to become like that guy? Right now, he's probably up in a psychiatric institute for the criminally insane in Rochester, I think. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's Johnny in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Johnny. Hey, quick two stories. The funny thing about Carvel, I used to watch the commercials when I was a kid. They would, like, use the uh, the, the form for Fudge the Whale, and they would use it for, like, Santa Claus. They use it for, like, it was in Cookie Opus, you know, trying to sell us something. I said, hey, you're not fooling me with that form. You know, it's to, he was really cool that way, trying to slick us with that, you know, the same form over and over again. Oh, it was brilliant, um, brilliant marketing, though, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a friend of mine, just another story, quick thing, on Yul Brenner. He was a, a bodyguard, you know, bouncer at, uh, at the time, Hot Rat Cafe, and he met Yul Brenner. They, they, they hit it off, and he was his bodyguard for, like, 10 years. He was a bodyguard slash, like, chauffeur. And he seems a great guy. But the one thing he's to drive him nuts because he would tell him that at one time that he would be a to him. I used to be six foot tall, but I had this car accident. I shrunk down. He goes, what are you talking about? You're like five two. I can be six five, six foot to five two. You know, I don't get it. You know, so you know these, these movie stars always try to project something they're not stuff. But uh, one thing he did say when Yul Brenner passed away, he left my friend ten k as a, a gift. So oh, he oh, he was generous. Uh, let me tell you something about Yul Brenner. He was yeah. great at telling stories about how he grew up. He wasn't quite George Santos, but he claimed that he his one parent was Mongolian and his other parent was a gypsy. Okay. And yet, like you said back then, Alan Ladd, Tom Cruise, you know, they're like five foot two. Uh, you know, they're on the shorty short size. They would wear lifts like DeSantis does, you know, in his shoes. But you're right. Yul Brenner would tell these tall tales like, hey, it was in a car accident. That's why I shrunk. <laughs> there were those shoes back in the day in the back of them, like those, those, uh, when you get those Sunday newspapers, they're like these shoes, these lift shoes, you buy them. And they're them with the harvest looking style, but they make it look like two inches taller. I've never seen those things back in the day. <laughs> you're right. You're right. They used to advertise those things. In fact, when they had a height requirement to be a cop, you had to be at least six foot. There were guys who they would have people, they would lay down on the ground, 
and they would have their friends jump on their back to try to extend the vertebrae so that when they went to get measured, you know, sometimes they were half inch, an inch off. They'd have them stomping on their vertebrae. They'd be in all kinds of pain, almost in traction. They'd say, I think I think I could pass the test now. And if they couldn't pass the height test to be a cop, they would end up becoming a correctional officer assigned to Rikers because they didn't have that kind of height requirement. <laughs> My dad years ago had back problems, <clears throat> and he went to the hospital, and they wanted to do surgery. That was in surgery. It was really big in the 60s, back surgery. And he went, he went to the hospital. He put him in traction. He felt traction really worked for him. And he, went, he came home. He's like, he wanted to buy the actual traction you know, uh, apparatus, but it was very expensive. <laughs> My father, Italian guy, they're very ingenious. He gets like an old supermarket, you know, metal, um, you know, uh, carriage, and he flips it upside down. He puts like a pulley on it. And he, he buys the actual the girdle to wear, and he, you know, he rig it up to this into the inside the the, the, the carriage with a weight in it. To, so when it slept at night, it would pull him. <laughs> I don't know if it stretched him out a little, but you know, the ingenious of people to do to, to do things to get better or be taller is incredible. You know, it's, it's not insane. Oh yeah. What, what they had to do as part of recovery is they had to be like the caterpillar on a pole. They had to just like crawl up the up the pole like a caterpillar to try to stretch their back. My grandfather, Fidela Bianchino, had hardening of the arteries, which caused yeah. him to bend over. So he'd find the pole and he would do the caterpillar thing right up the pole so he could stretch his back. He said like a cat. You know how a cat stretches its back? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> same concept, same concept. Yeah. So your uh, your father was an old timer. Yeah, yeah, and that and there's a big giant, you know, metal, the old steel, uh, brand new. You, you know, pull it, he got it on its side to create like the, uh, I guess the, uh, to put the pulley and let's sit in there. It was in this, this massive bedroom for, for, for a bunch of years. So, you know, just to get the steps and stuff, this whole big, you know, a, a full-size uh, carriage into his bedroom, it was bizarre. But that's what they did these old-timers like that. God bless them. You know, they did things to try. It was survival. They, you know, they knew what was right for them. And he didn't want to go for the, getting cut up because he spoke to a lot of people who have got surgery in the back. They, you know, he started removing vertebrates. They're never, they're never the same. My dad didn't fall for it. You know, you know what? It actually helped him, by the way. He never had a problem ever since. That was yeah. incredible. No, no. Back then, it was such a risky operation. They put... Uh, uh, they put a rod into you, and if it didn't work out, basically the surgeon would say, well, we could we could take some more vertebrae out. You know, they'd say, well, you already took out like half my vertebrae. I got no vertebrae left. Well, you know, maybe this time it will work. Maybe this time, the third time, it will be a charm. Taking a vertebrae is like going underneath your car and pull some parts out. You just can't pull parts of your body work better. It's insane, you know. Stop pulling parts of your body. It's going to start to – your body starts to compensate for it in different ways, and it affects you long term. Yeah. So removing parts is not always the right thing. So no, no, no. I, I remember my mother, Francesca, was a volunteer at the Angel Guardian Home in Dyker Heights. That was a foundling hospital. These were babies that had no parents, you know, that basically was an orphanage for them, and they'd be crying in their bassinet, crying. And she'd go from bassinet to bassinet to pick them up, to hug them, to feed them. And then one day, one of the um, one of the babies uh, had apparently vomited on the floor. Uh, nobody had cleaned it up. She didn't see it. So she's holding one baby in her arm. She slips on the vomit. It looks like she's going to fall on the baby, so she turns and falls on her back. She broke her back oh. in two spots. They had her in body traction for almost two years. 
I would hear Holy my folks. my mother crying at night in all kinds of pain because they didn't have, you know, back then, uh, fentanyl, morphine, uh, you know, drugs like that. You, aspirin, aspirin, aspirin. Exactly. Aspirin, St. Joseph's, yeah. Joseph's baby aspirin. That was about the, the toughest stuff they gave you. Or bufferin. Remember, bufferin, which only had like uh, – uh, the only thing that bufferin had at that point was it had like caffeine in it. Like Anison, yeah, yeah. it was more caffeine right, right. than it was aspirin, and she yeah. was suffering pain, a body cast for two years. Oh, and my gosh. uncles, my uncles would say, "Oh, you see, your mother's a sucker. She's a do-gooder." And my father, wow. when he would come home uh, because he was a merchant seaman, would say, "Your mother's a saint. She never saint complained. She never regretted helping those little babies, those little cherubs." But boy, I, I saw I saw her suffer with back pain for two years straight. Yeah, yeah. They had they knew you were very compassionate people. My mom was French. I told you about my mom in the past. Same thing, very compassionate people. We like I said, we had a business not too far from Creedmoor, and these guys would come in, my mom would make a sandwich, and I go, Mom, what are you doing? It's like John, these people, you don't know what they went through, you don't know. Look at him. He had a nervous breakdown, and his daughter died, he was you know, he was in the war. You don't know. He, just let him come here. At least he knows that he has a place to come and get a sandwich and walk out without any questions asked, you know. And I never forget that. You know, he's a compassionate people. They know my parents came from a war ridden uh, Italy and they know the struggles. And obviously you don't understand the struggles we went through. It was a difficult time. Your mother, you know, we learned from our parents, like I always say one thing, this is what we have, me and you have, like us. We have one foot in the old world, one foot in the new world. Your mom gave you that old world, you know, your heart, you have it in you. And these new kids don't have that. They have just this new world of they have this. They don't know what the world what the world's like, and they don't understand these things. They just think they just get things. They have no compassion. They're very cold. It's an unfortunate thing. So you know. Oh, no, and they, they and they lived. They lived with inordinate pain. They lived with pain, and you could see they would grimace. You could see they would struggle. A lot of them would have canes early on in life. A lot of them yeah. would be bent over with hardening of the arteries and. Uh, all kinds of problems, and I got to tell you, uh, I almost never heard my mother complain. Almost never. Uh, basically, it was like you got you to suck it up. You're lucky to be alive. Suck it up. Yep, so family to take care of. God bless your mother. God bless your parents. God bless everybody in your family. God bless you. You right, got, so have a you good got night. it. Oh, oh, see, we went down memory lane. We went down memory lane. See, see, this is theater in the mind. You think I'm going to be talking about Joe Biden's speech on Friday at Valley Forge? Forget about it. You think I'm going to be talking about the fact that, oh, Colorado wants to knock Trump off the ballot. Now it goes to the United States Supreme Court to be adjudicated. No. No. That's the rest of, uh, during Monday through Friday, that's all you hear. That's all you hear. We're into the entertainment uh, phase of WABC Radio on the weekends. Great music. Uh, Staten Island Prince Vinnie Madunio will be coming up in a few hours, followed by the greatest DJ of all time, Cousin Brucey. Cousin then, Brucey. Yeah, that's right. And Tony Orlando without Dawn, right? It doesn't get any better than that. Our number is 1 800 848 9222 at 1 800 848 WABC.
great song by Stereo Martin. Boy, that could apply to uh, two takes. Everybody hates that. Especially when you have, uh, oh, God, all kinds of, uh, uh. Boy, that's the one guy I fear in the world, the dentist. You know, because you know he's going to say you need root canal. Uh. But that pain, breaking your back. Thank God I've fallen on my back from high distances. I've always, always stayed together. No fractures, no strains, no pains, no broken bones. But to see my my mother, Francesca, suffer for two years with a broken back in two places in a body cast, crying at night at the top of her lungs at times. It was just no relief. As our previous caller said, Uasparin, St. Joseph's baby aspirin, maybe anison, maybe bufferin, which is really more caffeine than anything else. Oh, man. Bad. Bad. Anyway, let's go to the phones. Our number's 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jack in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jack. Good morning, Curtis. You talk about back surgeries. I've had six. And I'm my entire lumbar region, if you take an x-ray, looks like an erector set. That was all from law enforcement. I got injured on the job. And the my surgeon after the first surgery, told the police surgeon, I need to do the whole lumbar region, otherwise things are going to start collapsing. The vertebrae are going to start collapsing. The police surgeon said, no, we'll take it as it comes. I had to go through six surgeries. The last surgery, they had to take some of the hardware out to put new hardware in. I'd love to sue this guy, but he's dead. I don't know. My surgeon surgeon was the best, but the police surgeon, it was almost cruel and unusual punishment to put me through that. This has been uh, over 20 years. How did you get through that? I mean, uh, it it had to be, you had to be miserable. Jack, listen, Curtis, thank God my wife was a critical care nurse for over 40 years. And she took the best care of me. But there was a lot of medications involved. And I'm telling you, I'm up in the middle of the night now because my back is screaming at me. It's just, it's just, it's never going to go away. They've already told me that, you know. And I said, I, I, I won't voluntarily get on the table again and get cut open. But I asked them, would it help if we took the hardware out because you really don't need it after everything's fused? And he's like, I'm not really sure. You know, you can't really tell. I said, I'm not getting on the table just to have the hardware taken out, you know, with a a possibility that it's going to get better. But, oh, my God, I'm telling you, three of the surgeries, three of the six, they had to go in the back and in the side on the, you know, on your side to get to, to put the screws and the rods and everything in. And this was all, and the guy who did it to me, his lawyers were wearing $5,000 suits and he got away with nothing. 
Well, let me tell you, you want to be listening, uh, Jack, later on, because when I tell you the story of Yul Brenner, one of the greatest actors of all time, he was actually in, as a teenager, a French circus troupe. He was like a trapeze acrobat. He was like the Wallenda brothers. He fell. He broke his back. He had unbearable pain. This was in his teenage years, causing him to take, at that time they called them narcotics, opium. And he developed an opium habit. It's 1937. His pain was out of control, his spinal pain. He was taking opium and other drugs. Eventually, he was determined to be a drug addict, 17 years old, and his family ended up sending him to Switzerland where they treated him for his drug addiction at a Swiss clinic for drug addicts. He had a year-long treatment in Switzerland, which included hypnotherapy because he had broken his back, his spine. This is 1937. And people were addicted to drugs, not as it is now, but even then, because of pain. He ended up getting hooked on opium. 17-year-old. Could have gone south. Could have been dead. Could have been in an alleyway in Paris. And yet became one of the greatest actors ever to perform in movies and uh, in the great white way, Broadway, and theater. That's why you don't want to go to sleep to the break of dawn. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna be getting into Moses, Charlton Heston, Yul Brenner. We're gonna be talking a lot about Yul Brenner things you never possibly could have imagined. Many of you, say, what are you talking about? I know all about Yul Brenner. No, you don't. And we're gonna be talking about the Red Sea, not with the hooties, 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 and the blowfish. No, they now claim that God did not part the Red Sea for Moses escaping Pharaoh. They claimed it was a natural phenomenon. Everything we grew up with, they're now just discombobulating it. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Joaquin in Pennsylvania. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Hey, you know, I want to engage in some kung fu theory of the mind. And you got Broadway Bruce Lee there. But, you know, now you brought this up because I really wanted to beat the crap out of uh, Frank Morano. I actually enjoy listening to him, but we had a little thing going on. But when I was 17 years old, I used to go to bed with a shotgun. My parents didn't know it because I was contemplating blowing my brains out. And things are coming back around to bite me in the ass now. And I don't know how I'm going to support myself anymore. Wow, so explain to me, so you're 17, you're going to bed with a shotgun, but it was because of your mental state of mind, correct? It was because of pain. Hmm. Pain was so excruciating, I couldn't take it. Was it physical pain or mental pain? It was physical pain, physical pain. Yo, you have a bigger man card than me. You got shot five times, I only got shot once. Uh, and, and where was the source of the pain? Okay. What happened to me was uh, I was 17 years old, 
And uh, during my, uh, actually, I was 16 at the time. And between uh, junior and senior high school, I enlisted in the Marine Corps. Okay. Well, when I was 17, the day after Thanksgiving, I went hunting and somebody shot me. Wow. And what happened was I was, shot, I was shot through the leg, so I thought everything was going to turn out fine. But what happened to me was that the bullet hit the sciatic nerve, and it left a nine-inch bruise that never regenerates. And I had things that came from that that my neurosurgeon at the time, who flew P-51 Mustangs in uh, World War II, and my surgeon, when I went in, when they brought me into the hospital in, in Long Island, Southside Hospital, my father rented an ambulance because the guy upstate in New York wanted to cut my leg off in 1976. Um, anyway, he said, oh, I've seen thousands of these. You'll be fine. You know, he was a surgeon in Vietnam. And I thought, I'm going to go to bed. You know, no big deal. I'm going to wake up and everything's going to be fine. But every day the pain got worse and worse and worse and worse. And I cannot explain to you the things that went through my nervous system. I could not tolerate daylight. I could not. I wound up wearing gloves like Michael Jackson because I couldn't touch dry things like cardboard, paper, wood. You know, uh, noises went through me in ways I can't explain. And my neurosurgeon, my neurosurgeon said that these were rare, but he knew he was aware of them, and he he just had no answers for any of them. Yeah. You know? Wow. So, so the fact is, you were at the point that the pain was so bad you were just ready to do a Kurt Cobain on yourself. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm not lying, man. I used to go to sleep with that sucker right next to me, man, you know, ready to just, you know, to do it, you know. So now I find myself at 64 years old, and I have Social Security. I got a little east off from work, but I intended on working. But over the last two years, my chiropractor told me sooner or later it was going to catch up with me, you know, and so now my back. My hips and my knees are going out so bad that I, I don't know what I'm going to do anymore. Yeah, no, there are a lot of people uh, in severe pain, and uh, it is one of the biggest problems because we're living older than our parents' generation or our grandparents' generation, which means you develop more aches and pains over the years, more accidents, you recover from them. Whereas previously you might have just been dead on arrival uh, at a hospital or a doctor would just say, well, he's resting in peace. And <laughs> you have to you have to live with the pain because they haven't I, I necessarily have have, come up with remedies. I have a sense of humor, Curtis. Can I beat up on Frank Rano now? Kung Fu Theory of the Mind. Well, it's your Frank of late has been like a human uh, piñata, Joaquin He's re-enrolled in the Curtis Lee Talk Radio Boot Camp. He's taking remedial training now, uh, Broadway Billy. He was so up there with the ratings. He was ahead of everybody else. Now he's come back to, to earth. I've had to smack him around a few times. You know, he got too big for his britches. Too big for his britches. Had to have a come-to-Jesus meeting with him the other morning. Oh, it was brutal. It was maybe the most brutal uh, come-to-Jesus meeting I ever had with a talk radio show host or hostess because, as you know, uh, one of my uh, major responsibilities here at WABC now, using my 35 years of experience in talk radio, is to conduct a Curtis Sliwa boot camp for talk radio prospects. 
those who have either been doing talk radio briefly but really don't know the rudimentary uh, elements of it. it. took me three years to get comfortable doing talk radio. Three years. And I was doing morning drive at the time in the biggest marketplace uh, in the world for radio, New York City. It takes a while. But, I was going to that Mama Luke Frank in Staten Island. Yeah, yeah, Frank, I, I've had a pimp slap him down, get him back to the rudimentary elements of good talk radio. Sheesh. It's like taxing my nerves, you know? I just. Oh, I wish I were an Oscar Mayer friend. That is what I truly like to be. Enough! Enough! I'm, I'm, I'm looking to ban all talk show hosts and hostesses here from singing. In 24 hours, we're going to play a panoply of different hosts and hostesses who think that they can actually sing. Unfortunately, they expose you to their inability to carry a tune. They should relegate it to the shower stall, but they don't. They absolutely don't. Let's go to the phones. If we could go to uh, Tony, uh, who apparently is uh, mobile. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tone. Hey, doing, Curtis? I want to test your memory. I know you got a great memory. When you worked on Fordham Road at McDonald's, you worked about the same time as my cousin Lori. I was just wondering if you might remember her. She was McWhitey in a black and Puerto Rican neighborhood. Uh, grew up the tough way. But she worked around the same time that you were managing. Any, any chances you could remember her? Uh, to be honest, I would have had to have looked at a picture. I had a lot of employees that I worked with because, you know, most of the workers were part-time workers. They did it, uh, you know, in addition to either working another job by day or they were going to school. So I was in charge of the closing crew. So figure like from 4 to 2 in the morning, there were different shifts coming and going. Um and uh, just so you know, that McDonald's where I made my bones, where I started the Guardian Angels, in February 13th of 1979, we turned a, uh, a, a, a store that was chaotic. Uh, we got control of it. Uh, they now had to padlock that store. It's no longer uh, open because they considered it unmanageable. So the, the corporation out in Oak Brook, Illinois, Chicago, Illinois, deemed it so out of control that they actually padlocked it because they wouldn't use uh, the Curtis Lewa methods of gaining control of a fast food restaurant that was out of control, Tony. Well, I, I can attest to how rough that neighborhood was when you were there. I can't believe it's even worse now. Um, you went through the tough times. Yeah, well, see what they what they allowed happen uh, now is they let the homeless in, the emotionally disturbed in, uh, and they just left them there. And actually, nobody would want to come in and pay outrageous prices for fast food. Uh, the staff didn't seem to give a damn. Uh, you know, I would say to the staff, "Hey, you got time to lean? You got time to clean?" And back then, when I was night manager, they had gangs coming in. You had Savage Skulls, Savage Nomads, Black Spades. And I'd have to go over the counter and do battle with them because they'd be starting all kinds of trouble in the lobby. And I had to have a crew that had my back. 
So I'd be hiring guys that were right off of Rikers Island that nobody else would take a chance on. And my uh, spiel to them was, hey, when I go over the counter, I don't care if you put a burger down on the grill and you turn the quarter pounder into a dime on the grill. I don't care if you didn't know how to get the fries out of the uh, out of the fryer in time. All I cared about is you had to have my back when I went over there because I'd be diving. Like, it was like a mosh pit right into the middle of a bunch of gangbangers who were trying to tear up the restaurant. You believe that, ladies and gentlemen? 45 years later, we'll be, we'll be celebrating our 45th anniversary of the Guardian Angels. It all started in that Mickey D's on East Fordham and Webster off of Marion, right across the street from Fordham University, the old Sears and Roebuck. And uh, they just padlocked that place, saying it was unmanageable. You couldn't manage it. Of course you could manage it, but not the Ronald McDonald way. Had to be the Curtis Lee with Don Chin way, which is, hey, you could do it the Ronald McDonald way, Broadway Bill Lee. And they give you a great eulogy, and they carry you out and give you a good burial. Or you could do it the Don Chin, Curtis Lee uh, way, fight. Bust their bones, make their bones rattle, and then to come back another day and do it all over again from 4 in the afternoon to 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, and did I bust some bones. You rolled down Fordham Road from Lowy's, watching those kung fu flicks while smoking Chiba, and you were all like stone to the bone. And you walked in there... And what I would do to the brothers, because they were so stoned, their eyes were like little slits, like Joe Biden giving a speech. And I'd say to the crew, I know what they're going to order, Big Macs, right? Brothers had to have their Big Mac attack. I say, I'm going to pull the patties. I created the first vegetarian Big Macs and put extra Mac sauce in. The brother would get his Big Macs. I'd be watching him. He'd be sitting there. He'd have his fries, his Big Mac, his strawberry shake. He'd bite into the Mac, and the Mac sauce would go all over his face, and he'd like, oh, man, he was in heaven. He didn't even realize he was so stoned. There were no meat patties in it. Just extra Mac sauce. Psych! Call me a white blankety-blank-blank-blank. I'll get you. Although the Big Mac was much more affordable back then. Now, you got to basically take a payday loan and a reverse mortgage. 1-800-848-9222. It's another side of midnight. 77 WABC. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Then the break of dawn, nobody go to sleep on me. Oh no. Step on up, you can 
till the break of dawn, nobody goes to sleep. I remember getting off that D train at Fordham Road, rolling down the hill, right there to that Mickey D's, Fordham and Webster. Had to do my night shift, 4 o'clock in the afternoon to 2 in the morning. And it was hellacious, hellacious, the fights, all kinds of nonsense going on inside the store, outside the store. They called me the sheriff of East Fordham Road there, Broadway, Bill Lee. They said, that is one crazy blankety-blank white boy. You do not want to mess with him. He's always looking to bust teeth if you give him a beef. And I had to have it. If you created a problem in the lobby, I'd go over that counter, lift you over my head, throw you down on that floor, and your bones had a rattle. Oh, I was not satisfied. Oh, yeah. Those were the days. Oh, we had to keep on keeping it on. It's the only way to maintain your sanity. You call 911 later for that. 46 Precinct, Ryer Avenue, 52, up down Mashula Parkway. All those coppers wanted to come in and get free food. And you know what I told them? Broadway Bill Lee, no free food. And you know what they told me? Well, see what happens the next time you call 911. And I told him, I don't need, I don't need the boys in blue. I got it. They said, you're going to regret that. I never did. I never needed the NYPD then. I don't need them now. They're important. They're the first line of defense. But I'll be damned in all the places that I've been, Broadway Bill Lee, if I had to depend on 5-0. No way. Not where this white boy went. Into the belly of the beast. And if all of a sudden you were dropping down to the cops, you know what you would call Broadway Billy? A snitch. What's the matter? Can't handle yourself? You need the police to back you up? Nah, 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 nah. Because you had to keep keeping on. That's the only way to survive back then. And unfortunately, we're moving back into that cycle of time. There are just not enough police. And they won't let the cops be cops. And now we got the swagger man with no plan, Eric Adams, mayor of the illegal aliens, who recently signed a consent decree with the court in which he took our tax dollars. Bad enough, he's giving it to illegal aliens. But he took our hard-earned tax dollars and he gave it to members of Black Lives Matter, which has become big, large mansions, and Antifa as a result of their lawsuit against the NYPD because of the summer of George Floyd 2020. And the demonstrations that would turn into shooting and looting and all-out attacks on the police. So this man, Eric Adams, who said, I was a cop for 22 years, but hey, recently I played you a cut where he said when he was a transit cop, (laughs) he was a computer programmer. That's right. He was in the records division, taking all the paperwork and shifting it to floppy disks. He never, he never busted his shoes. He never made a collar. He was a house mouse. 
And then he signed that consent decree and later would say, I regretted signing that decree. I knew I shouldn't have done it. Well, why the hell did you do it? So now cops got to walk around with handcuffs on. And basically, it has made it so that they can't put handcuffs on the bad guys and bad gals out there. Oh, man. But back then, in the late 70s, I couldn't depend on 5-0 Broadway Bill Lee. Nope. I couldn't call 911. I had to deal with it with myself. Back-to-back, belly-to-belly. That's why I had a crew. It's like the Three Musketeers, all for one, one for all. And we held our own. Hey, look, we didn't always win. But I tell you this much, we didn't lose because if we did, I'd be eight feet under in a pine box right now. And ain't none of you going to sleep after I told you a story like war. Because I had, I caught it once, but then I'm also thinking I've got very bad poison ivy. And then even for breathing things, people are getting older. There's another medication called Pregnizone. Pregnizone, that's steroids. Does uh, Paul sound like somebody who's roided up? No. Sounds like Pee Wee Herman to me. What the hell? He gave me like 59,000 remedies here. And he's buying into this myth that Sid Rosenberg has created that I have scabies. That's highly infectious. Hell, I've never gotten a letter from the Department of Health in the city of New York in what will be 70 years, never warning me about having any kind of sexually transmitted disease. How dare Sid Rosenberg put out that kind of propaganda? And then there's Paul in Connecticut saying, yeah, I sat on an old couch. I got scabies. Yeah, what, an old Castro convertible, huh? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Hey, the you in Connecticut, oofa! Let's go to Kay in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Kay. Yes. Yes, Kay. Were you sleeping on me, Kay? No. You sure? Yes. Now, the reason why I had called was um, about four weeks ago on Friday night, um, Dominic Carter had um, a, um, a caller. And I didn't catch the first part, but the caller mentioned that people in his community, uh, elderly, they were living alone in their homes, were being taken from their homes. And I got very concerned, you know, and uh, worried about this. I mean, what's going on? And he said that um, their families were not being, uh, were not being um contacted about their relatives so this is not that they're being kidnapped for any money and uh, you know i try to get a hold of dominic carter you know to call him up and ask him if he could you know um tell me what state this was from where they came you know where this was going on um but i tried to call and you had to talk about that topic and i before I could ask him, it changed. And what I'm concerned about is maybe, um, you know, that they used to have in Chinatown the secret police, and, you know, the communist Chinese, 
They would grab Chinese Americans. They would grab uh, illegal Chinese and get rid of them if they were talking bad about China. Um, and I was wondering, maybe these illegal Chinese that are coming in here, these communist Chinese, maybe they could be grabbing, you know, people and getting rid of them. Or could it be, you know, with all the socialists in the country, they're getting rid of... Um, they're getting rid of uh, Republicans and Trump voters. <sighs> Boy, she's out there. She's out there. And somehow, she was listening to Dominic Carter. You can listen to Dominic Sunday nights into Monday, 11 to 1, and then the rest of the week, uh, 12 to 1. Although he's done a magnificent job substituting of late. In fact, he was on the other side of midnight substituting for uh, Frank the Mama Luke uh, Morano one uh, day last week with Anthony Weiner. And they were at each other's throats. And now I see that the big guy, John Katsimatidis, our owner and operator, great talk show host in his own right, has bumped me off of the Saturday afternoon schedule where I would come in and do left versus right with Anthony Weiner after he does his two-hour extravaganza from two to four, taking on all the Trumpers. And John decided last week, since I was scratching up a storm like a junkyard dog with fleas, stay home, get some rest. I said, John, there'll be plenty of time to sleep when I'm dead. No, you stay home. I'm getting into the gladiator pit. With Happy Anthony. New Year. Sarah, Sarah, oh, God. Uh, whatever, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours. Oh, save it for the shower stall, John, please. Now you're singing, everybody else is singing, there's no time for talk. So he's arguing with Anthony Weiner for like a full hour, and at the end of it, they're singing together, Kesara, Sarah, like under the carousel. Singing all kinds of show tunes, right? You know, Broadway Bill Lee, I wonder, when guys start singing show tunes, I wonder, hey, AC, DC, or maybe both. You never know. You never know. The tastiest Frank in all the land. Yeah, Frankfurter, right? You know what that is. That's a phallic symbol. God only knows what Frank Morano was talking about. God. Anyway, back to the phones we go. I'd be juicy, plump, and oh so grand. Boy, that is psychosexual. You imagine him going to the anvil or the dungeon, you know, those guys with the chaps and the cowboy hats saying, oh, I'm so juicy and so grand, right? It's madness. It's madness. Yeah, I don't know about Frank. You know, most people, they have a midlife crisis when they're about 50, when they make their half-century mark. Frank seems to have a midlife crisis every time he's on the air, one to five, Monday through Fridays, on the other side of midnight. There's a party in my mouth, and everyone is invited. What the hell was that? That's really psychosexual. Screw you. Let's go to Robert in Suffolk. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Robert. Hi, Curtis. I believe in love. You believe in yeah, love? 
Yeah, man. You got to believe in love. The ladies at the disco, they would say, I'm just a love machine. <laughs> remember that? Hold on, say, so you remember when they were singing, I was just a love machine. Yeah, man. That was me, bro. Oh, so you mean to tell me you had on your polyester waffle weave flame retarded shirt with your bell-bottom pants and your marshmallow shoes dancing to this song? You got it, man. So you'd be whirling and twirling on the dance floor. Oh, yeah, man. I had those three-inch heels. (laughs) I call them marshmallow shoes, Elton John shoes, uh, George Clinton, Parliament, Funkadelic shoes. Let me hear some more of that, Broadway Billy. Oh, so good. Love Machine by the Miracles. Get down and boogie rock. So good, Robert. So good. So good. Oh, yeah. After closing time? That's right. Well, you know, at closing time, Robert, uh, then it'd be a slow jam. That's how you knew. DJ was queuing up slow jams. And you know, because when they'd be playing Love Machine by the Miracles, you knew it was not closing time. You could not get the audience all hyped up. On songs like that, I mean, I'd be out there on the dance floor doing the robot. And you didn't need to put DW40 oil on me, that's for sure, man. I had that robot down pat. And then when they play that slow jam, you look at the DJ, you look at the uh, muscle heads, the security, and you know, uh uh-oh, it's getting to that time. Where, you know, you're going to have to go find a diner. Because you're hungry after all that dancing all night. You have to go to the diner. But see, last dance for love. Donna. Uh, Oh, man, here it was. Yeah. Ooh. We're playing this for Robert out there in Suffolk County and all you disco divas. 
and everyone else out there who remembers when they would cue up this song, Donna Summers. You knew that it was closing time. So you had one last jam, one last dance, and you had to make it good. Because if not, you were leaving by yourself. Oh, feet don't fail me now. Sing it, Donna, sing it. Cause when I'm bad, I'm so, so bad. So just dominated the charts. And this, you always knew when the DJ queued it up. It was the end of the night. And the next next stop was a diner for the cheeseburger special. And if anybody ordered Dr. Pepper, I looked at them like, I don't know. I don't know about this guy. Dr. Pepper with a cheeseburger and fries? Something wrong with this guy. And in fact, all the girls would look at that guy and say, what the hell is wrong with him? Dr. Pepper with a cheeseburger and fries? Yuck! Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. Time to go to Oscar calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Oscar. Hey, how you doing, Curtis? I just want to give you a tip on, on the itch. It could possibly be, you know, your liver. Sometimes the liver, the enzymes, you know, they act up weird, you know, just for that week. And then it takes a, takes a month before the itch goes away. And so you should check, you know, get a get a blood test, a panel, a limp, limp panel. And it should give you the ASG and all that crap. Let me, let me, let me ask you a question, Oscar. You know something? Sure. Just to yeah. prove your point. I am going to have uh, a surgeon remove half of my liver to check the enzyme count because, you know, the liver is the only organ in your body that can regrow itself. Are you aware of that, Oscar? Absolutely. It's the the only organ that rejuvenates. Yeah, so why is that, Oscar? Why is it the only organ in a human body that regenerates itself is the liver? Let me tell you. Well, right. Why? Why only the liver? 
because it's the only it's the only organ next to your heart that will, will watch out for you or keep you. This let me car, bro. Next to your engine is your that car, you know. Next to your engine is the distributor. So it's, it, so it's it's sort of like it acts as a filter, also, right? Yeah, bro. So if you don't have that filter organized, you're gonna get itches. You're gonna get yellow. You're gonna get this. You know. One, so wait, wait, wait. Next stage is I got the itch now. I'm gonna get yellowed and jaundiced. No, 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 no. I didn't say the next stage. Ah! It, it could be. It could be yellow. It could be this. It could be that. But the stitch, the itches is definitely. Listen, one time ago. The doctor said, oh, you're going to die. This is like 35, 40 years ago, you know. And I said, really? He goes, yeah, you got bad liver enzymes. I proved that guy wrong. I started taking my, you know, I started, you know, beating up on this. And my enzymes are great. My, my liver is great. I take oligopoic acid. I'm good. I take my become. I, you know, I take my vitamins. I'm 70 years old, so. Oscar, Oscar, because you got a few months on me, I'll soon be 70 in March. No, 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 wait. I got, I'm sorry. Oh, I look at I'm, I'm, I'm going to do you solid. Because of your advice, Dr. Oscar Maya Wiener, I am going to actually submit myself to surgery and have half my liver cut out of my body, knowing that the liver can regenerate itself. But Dr. Oscar Mayer Wiener there. Oh, I wish I were an Oscar Mayer friend. Oh, God. Save it for the shower store. Uh, in tw- I were an Oscar Mayer friend. 24 hours Everyone from now, I'm going to play all the Gabons oh, here at WABC, all of them. With the flavor that's truly divine, I'd be. Juicy, plump, and oh, so grand. The tastiest frank in all the land. What the hell? Quesarasara mixed in with the Oscar Mayer song? Because I'm such a cornball. Oh, here it is. Because I'm a cornball. James, James Golden. No, no, James. You, you think you're, you're, you're Vaughn Harper or WBLS, The Quiet Storm, and Frankie Crocker, who originally came out of Buffalo. Let me tell you, I knew Frankie Crocker and Vaughn Harper. You're no Vaughn Harper and Frankie Crocker. And in a few hours, ladies and gentlemen, 7 to 10, you'll hear that. He's no Frankie Crocker, and he's no Vaughn Harper. What do you think? Maybe I should do The White Storm, right? Oh, wait, that's a neo-Nazi group. I can't call it the White Storm. Why not? I should go over to WBLS. My name is Curtis. Most people who are Curtis are black. How you doing? Exactly. I'll get over. Let's say, hey, who, who's the DJ tonight for the for the White Storm? Oh, it's uh, this guy named Curtis. Hell no. What's his last name? Just Curtis. Don't worry about it. He Hell sa- no. He sounds black. Don't worry about it. Hell no. Let me tell you something. I was on with Dominic Carter, substituting for Sid Rosenberg for four hours while he was away shooting a flick. Do you know that people out in the audience, some of whom didn't know who Dominic Carter was or me, actually thought I was the black guy out of the two of us, out of the ebony and ivory? They thought I was the black guy. Meow, meow, meow. Oh, gosh. Can we euthanize Frank? Can we euthanize him? Now he's trying to sound like a cat. 
first of all, he's singing Oscar Mayer hot dog song, and now he's trying to do a meow like a cat. First of all, his wife Rachel had the cats. I think they had three of them. Two of them died. What does that say to you, Broadway Billy? This guy hates cats, Frank Morano. You don't think, uh, I wouldn't rule it out. He's a dog guy. I wouldn't rule it out. They had three cats. They get married. Now they're down to one cat. What does that tell you? You cannot trust Frank Morano and Mama Luke with cats. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-922. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Prince uh, Vinny Madunio, you can't touch this. Even the greatest DJ of all time, Bruce Morrow, a.k.a. Cousin Brucey, he can't touch this. Nor can Tony Orlando without Dawn. Because we're fully into our weekend of entertainment right here on WABC, your place to be. Let's go to Felix, who's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Felix. Hey there. Uh, hey, Curtis, one of the greatest scenes that Yul Brenner was in was a Western, The Magnificent Seven. And it's very unique because uh, there's a, an old Indian man that drops dead in the middle of the streets, and they can't get anyone to drive the hearse to boot hell. And, Kurt, and Yul Brenner's a gunslinger, and him and Steve McQueen, and there's a whiskey salesman and the undertaker who all say that they want to bury the man. And there are elements in the town that just don't want that to happen. And uh, the liquor salesman says, I want him buried. You want him buried. And if he sat up, he'd say, I want to be buried too, because I'll give anyone $50 a piece who will drive that hearse. And your Brenner steps up and says, hell, I'll, I'll drive the hearse. And Steve McQueen grabs a shotgun from someone and, uh, he climbs up on the hearse with, with uh, Yul Brenner, and Yul Brenner pulls out a cigar, lights it up, and offers one to Steve McQueen, and they ride through town. And, uh, of course, they have to shoot at a couple people, you know, to get this, in, this Indian up to boot hell. And it was just very unique. I thought that was a great scene. 
Oh, yeah, and then remember they did the remake years later, I think six years later, where Yul Brenner was back with the uh, Magnificent Seven return. Oh, there's so many, so many movies. I, I remember seeing him in a Western. I think it was with uh, Marlon Brando, or maybe I'm mixing that up, although nowhere near as popular as the Magnificent Seven. And you know what? You also had Eli Wallach, who was uh, fantastic. That's right, Eli Wallach. You know, you know what the basis of the Magnificent Seven was? The Seven Samurai. That is correct. That was the movie, The Seven Samurai, that influenced me to form the Guardian Angels in February of 1979, which we'll be celebrating the 45th anniversary of uh, in the next month. It was The Seven Samurai, who uh, were men, samurai warriors, who came into villages to protect uh, the local people from the barbarians, and all they asked for was a place to stay and a bowl of rice to eat. And uh, as a result, they were able to uh, turn back the barbarians. Are you familiar with George Norian, Coast to Coast? Oh, I, I've known that for years, yes. He has a uh, bumper, bumper music on there, and I often wonder if that wasn't actually the soundtrack for The Seven Samurai. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I would normally say I would listen because I remember the soundtrack of The Seven Samurai. But why would I want to listen to George Norrie coast to coast when I'm listening to Frank Morano, The Other Side of Midnight, that is a nationally syndicated show in which he actually beats George Norrie? Yes. Although, uh, although, uh, Broadway Billy, I've had to re-enroll him in the Curtis Slewa uh, boot camp for talk radio show hosts, and uh, he's on the remedial training now. He has fallen from grace. He was ahead of the pack. Everybody here, he was the highest in the ratings, and now he's come back to r- normal earth. And I got to get him back on his high horse so he can get back where he needs to be. Beating George Norrie from coast to coast in the ratings, which he has been. Let's go to Sheldon. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sheldon. Curtis, I, I saw you, Brenna, in a Broadway revival of the musical The King and I in 1985. That was his signature role. And, uh, you know, he, uh, at around the same time, I give him credit for doing a public service television commercial telling people, that he was a heavy smoker. He smoked over two packs of cigarettes a day. And he's telling people uh, now that he's dying from lung cancer not to smoke. That was a lot Ladies more. Ladies and gentlemen, than the late Yul Brenner. I really wanted to make a commercial when I discovered that I was that sick and my time was so limited. I wanted to make that commercial that says simply, now that I'm gone, I tell you, don't smoke. Whatever you do, just don't smoke. If I could take back that smoking, we wouldn't be talking about any cancer. I'm convinced of that. Oh, Sheldon, that was uh, classic, classic, the way he looked in the camera. Right. And you could tell, you could see he had that drawn look. You could see he was dying right in front of us. But, oh, boy, did that strike a chord with people. Yeah, he was very brave and courageous and a lot more convincing than Nancy Reagan saying just say no to drugs. 
Oh, that's for sure. Or any of those Michael Bloomberg made uh, um, commercials, you know, don't smoke. And they have this person there, you know, who, who had their throat taken out. And they're rah, 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 rah. Oh, yeah, right. right. It's yeah. like, no, no, no. You, Brenner, he lo- just looked right in the camera, 30 seconds. You knew he was dying of throat cancer, lung cancer, excuse me. He didn't have throat cancer. He actually had lung cancer. And, boy, you could see that was the best part that he ever played because I am sure there are people who remember, especially at a younger age who had started smoking like I had for a year. I gave it up. But probably who saw Yul Brenner there said one of the greatest actors of all time, both on stage and in film. And yet he said, I got to make this PSA. I got to let the world know, don't smoke, don't even start. It was a great PSA, and in fact, that's what we're going up next. The life and times of Yul Brenner. You got to figure out what was true and what was George Santos like. Check this out on the weekend. Ufa. Take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Just being introduced, I do not know you well. But when the music started, something drew me to your side. So many men and girls are in each other's arms. It made me think we might be similarly occupied. Shall we? Shall we dance? Shall we then say goodnight and mean goodbye? Or for chance, when the last little star has left the sky, shall we still be together with our arms around each other? And shall you be my new romance? On the clear Understanding that this kind of thing can happen Shall we dance, shall we dance, shall we dance? Why do you stop? You dance pretty, go on, go on, go on Majesty, I didn't realize. After all, I'm not a dancing girl. In England, no woman would dance alone while a man is looking at her. But she will dance with strange man, holding hands, etc. Yes, but not always a stranger. Usually a very good friend. Good, then we're not together. You show me. Chichichich. Well, it's quite simple, Apolka. You can't. One, two, three, and one, two, three, and one, two, three, and. Shall we dance? One, two, three, and. On a bright cloud of music, shall we fly? One, two, three, and. Shall we dance? One, two, three, and. Shall we then say goodnight and mean goodbye? One, two, three, and. Open chance. 
When the last little star has left the sky. Shall we still be together with our arms around each other? And shall you be my new romance? On the clear understanding that this kind of thing can happen. Shall we dance? Shall we dance? Shall we dance? No classic. I remember when I was a kid, my mother had the vinyl. And we would play it, my older sister Alita, my younger sister Maria, we would play it over and over and over. It was so entertaining. I remember going to see the movie as a youngster with Yul Brenner and Deborah Kerr. And naturally, this song and other songs, there was Yul Brenner. The, remember they called him the King of Siam, right? They didn't call it Thailand there, the King of Siam. And that was a bit of a uh, no-no. An Asian guy with this uh, milky white English woman, David Deborah Kerr. You knew what was going on, Broadway Billy. You knew it was a little, uh, uh, let's say, tie stick fever. Uh, I guess a lot of people didn't get that tie stick fever. All you needed was the sound of the elephant there. Because, man, that was one thing about Thailand. The elephants, they regard the elephant. The elephant is like a god there. Such a great movie. And Yul Brenner starred on the stage production. 4,625 times. Imagine, 4,625 times he was on the stage performing in The King and I as uh, The King as I Am. And it was amazing with all the other parts that he had and how he so dominated cinema and theater back then in the 50s and early 60s. Really great stuff. But, oh, boy, did he have a creative mind about his background. He claimed at one time that, in fact, he was the product of a Mongol father and a Roma mother, a.k.a. Gypsy mother, on the Russian island of Sakhalin. And a lot of people bought that. So half the time, you didn't know, in fact, what he was telling you was totally truthful or if he told a little white lie or he embellished a fact or if he was completely making it up like George Santos uh, made up his entire life. I'm telling you, this guy would definitely would definitely sort of take you on a path where you would believe almost everything he would say. Almost everything he would say. Let's go if we can. It's Sammy in Newburgh. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sabine. Bill Brennan, go Buchanan, go Buchanan, go Buchanan. Uh, see, last week he was on his good behavior. He called up his Steve from Manhattan. And remember Broadway Bill Lee? We put him through, and he had something really good to say, and he had a nice conversation there. But I don't know what it is that propels him to do this. He's been doing this since the days of Bob Grant. You would think, hey, be yourself, Steve from Manhattan. Cut it out. No, no, 
99% of the time, he lapses into that. I don't know. He must get his jollies off on that. I mean, strange, right? You know, whatever floats his boat. It could well be he gets excited after spending hours on the phone. Anyway, let's go to Mark in Garden City. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mark. Hey, Curtis. Hey, Curtis. Uh, Steve from Manhattan, uh, you know, Buchanan, hasn't he been retired for years? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, he's sort of in the, the last roundup now. So I, I don't quite get that because, you know, he's talking about a retired guy. But the reason I, I called, Curtis, is you, before, a little while ago, you were talking about the Magnificent Seven. And correct me if I'm wrong, but when you very, very first started the Guardian Angels, didn't you first call them for a very short time the Magnificent Seven or the Magnificent Thirteen? Correct. Seven plus six, the Magnificent Thirteen. And that was very, that didn't last very long, right? That was very short with that name. That went from... Uh... Uh, February 13th of 1979 to September 4th, Labor Day 1979. There were so many that had joined and graduated the training program that we weren't 13 any longer. We were about 73 at that time, so I changed the name to the Guardian Angels. That's that's amazing. You know what I also wanted to ask you? Earlier in the week, Frank Morano was giving out these Frankie Awards, and... One of the awards went to uh, the runway model that uh, you used to talk about all the time, and they snubbed your man Avery, who used to do the funniest hour on weekend radio. Yeah, and well, just, well yeah. You, you would anticipate that. Let me tell you something, Mark. Uh, uh, Frank, uh, the Mama Luke Morano, should have rebranded that Broadway Bill Lee. Why did he call it the Frankie Awards? What did he think? People were going like, oh, the Frankie Awards. Oh, I know what you're talking about. How about the other side of Midnight Awards? Right? That's the name of his show. The other side of Midnight Awards. Not call it the Frankie Awards. You see, what Frank Morano's got to learn, and everybody else enrolled in my Curtis Sleeper boot camp, is that the owner-operators, John and Margot Katzmatidis, of our parent company, Red Apple Media, led by uh, the Capo di Tutti, Chad Lopez, they lend you the microphone each day, and when you finish your shift, they take the microphone away. And you got to hope the microphone is there the next day. We don't own this microphone. We don't own the show. We don't brand the show. So you see, uh, Broadway Billy, that's why I got to take uh, Frank Moran, take the, take the switch to him. It's like, hey, Frankie, it's not the Frankie's Award. It's the other side of Midnight Awards. It's part of the WABC culture that has enabled you to now have a nationally syndicated show, the other side of Midnight, one to five, Monday through Fridays, all across the nation. You see the guy, he's hard-headed. He, must, he claims he's Siciliano because everybody uh, who's Sicilian is named Carmine, right? I believe he's uh, hard-headed. He's Calabrese. There's got to be some Calabrese uh, in his background. Got to teach, teach him the hard way. Anyway, let's go to Danny in Virginia. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Danny. Yeah, Carlos, I'll tell you something to use for the itch. You get a bar of soap at Ultragena. What the hell are you talking about, Danny? 
it's a bar soap. Dermatologist told my mother about that. So let me get this straight, Danny. You're not a dermatologist, right? No, but I'm just saying that site worked pretty good. I understand. Now, you got a strong southern drawl there. Which part of Virginia do you live in? The southern part. The southern part of Virginia, because you don't want to be up with all those northern snowbirds who are invading Virginia from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania, do you? No, of course not. No. So, uh... You're not the dermatologist, but the dermatologist who took care of your mother suggested what remedy? Ultragena soap. Ultragena soap. You know what, Danny? I'd rather use that blue soap that they gave you in the military to keep off the crabs, if you know what I mean. And I'm not talking about the crabs from Chesapeake Bay. Maradamai. Where'd we find that hillbilly? See, even Hillbillies listen. Oh, yeah. Very popular show. Green Acres. No, I'm not going to be singing. I'm not making that same mistake. Green Acres is the place to be. Hard living is the life for me. Remember that so non-plausible, right? Am I right or wrong? So non-plausible. It wasn't Jaja Gabor. It was her sister Ava Gabor. I think between both of them, they must have been married about nineteen or twenty times. I think. All I could think of whenever I would see Jaja Gabor, Ava Gabor, was like um, Hungarian goulash, which I hated. I remember my mother, Francesca, she was going for cooking lessons. She wanted to diversify outside of just Italian cuisine. So she came back and she made Hungarian goulash and I refused to eat it. It was it was horrible. And she said, remember, this is what all of our mothers told us when we were younger. Eat everything on your plate. There are starving children in India and China. I said, well, well, Mom, what the hell does that have to do with me eating Hungarian goulash, which I hated? She had something from the Muller's macaroni box, right? Uh, we never had Muller's. It was always Ranzoni, Sonabuoni. Ranzoni is so good. I knew something was up when she was bringing in the Muller's egg noodles or something like that. That was German. I said, why do we have mullets here? Oh, I got some stuff to make here. I just learned how to how to cook it the other night in cooking school. Mom, what do you need to go to cooking school for? You're great. You're a great cook. She goes, Yeah, but I only know how to make Italian stuff. I want to diversify. So the first thing, right? Hungarian goulash. Ah! 
Mom, Mom, no more Hungarian goulash, please. Thank you. Let's go to uh, Anthony, who's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Anthony. Hey, Albert, World War II hero. Go, Buchanan, go, Buchanan, go, Buchanan. Man, what is wrong with that guy? Eddie Albert, World War II. What is wrong with him? Uh, let's go to Lillian in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Lillian. About time, Curtis. Uh, what do you call it? How are you and your lovely wife, Nancy? How you doing? I'm doing fine now. Uh, I had that itch for quite a while, Curtis. And I finally found a solution that really worked. Absent for silver something. I forget what it is. It's a cream. And then I had a... Um, Gatorade for the electrolyte, and it disappeared. So I hope it works for you. And if it does, when I call you again, you I got to talk to you about the cats. Please, Curtis. Okay? Is that a deal? Well, hold on a second. You're going to be talking about the cats. What are you going to be talking about when it comes to the cats? Well, this wacko man in Broad Channel, he was a dentist. He lives next door to the, the 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 man that feeds the cats and that. Well, he had this guy walking with a big dog, and he told him to kill the cats. So he got one cat by the tail, and my son happened to come out to feed the cats. And he told him, I'm going to tell Curtis what you're doing. This guy was a dentist, but he used to, uh, what do you call it, the... Oh, the, the gas that they give you for your teeth, laughing gas, that wacko always took it. That's why he's a little wacky in the head. So as, as, as the dentist, he used to yeah. sample his own uh, product, his own laughing gas. Yep. And he used to take, he takes the cat food and throws it into the ocean. And my son has to stand there. My son's crippled. And yet he feeds these 10 cats outside in that. But let this let me tell you. Let me guy. tell you what well, you got to tell uh, him next time, Lily. And you say, "Look, you're messing with the wrong, the wrong animals." I'm I'm going to drop dime to Curtis Lee, head of the Guardian Angels, and he's going to come out here and give you. He's going to give you a lump down and a beat down. And I'm I'm begging you, Curtis, that you said you were going to walk through there by Church Road. That's where he lives, next to the Broad Channel, the bigger house. And he's got this elevator, and he's not crippled or nothing. Believe me, he walks around. you got to see him pick up stuff in that. And, yes, he gets away with that, and he owns a house across the street. So this, he's, this guy is threatening my son about the cats and that. And he told him, the man that lived there, he passed away, right? But my son took care of him for 13 years. And this bitch, every night he yelled, you're not supposed to live there. Get out. Get out. And my, my son don't need that aggravation the way he, with his health and that, taking care of the animals, because he's crippled. So, you know, I beg you just to walk there and let this bastard know that Curtis Lever knows about what you're doing and and Nancy. All right, so give me that location again, Lillian, in Broad Channel. It's next door to North Channel, right? Yes. That house. It's got an elevator outside. Yes. Yeah, no, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. And the people, a lot of the people that love the animals, and they know my son takes care of them, that they even hate him. 
And when my son goes for the, the cat food in Metropolitan Avenue there, the man that owns that, he says, we know all about you, Joe, taking care of these animals, how you survive in that, how they, how they torment you in that. So, you know, I mean, it would be nice to just let them know that you're on their, on his side. Oh, yeah, no, no, and I'll tell you why, Lillian. I will be spending uh, a lot of time in the Irish Riviera, the Rockaways, because, uh, wow, the illegal aliens from Floyd Bennett Field have now gone into Neponset, into other areas, Bell Harbor. is starting to go door-to-door begging. I warn the yeah. city, I warn the city, you put them in a tent, you don't give them any rules and regulations, no curfew, you don't tell them to leave the people of the neighborhood alone, or they may have to lose their bed in the tents on Runway 19, and now they force my hand. They're walking through the neighborhoods of the Ponson and Bell Harbor going door to door and checking the car doors to see if they're open. What the hell are they doing that for? And meantime, on the other side, the Brooklyn side, they're becoming a menace to society there. They're over there in uh, Marine Park in Bergen. They're going door to door. They're begging on the corner of Flatbush Avenue uh, and Avenue U outside of Kings Plaza, Avenue T in Flatbush, outside of the 7-Eleven. All that's going to stop. If you happen to be from that area, that's it. I'm gearing up. I may have to get arrested, Broadway, Bill Lee, and 81st, 82nd, 83rd time, whatever it takes. You imagine that? They let these illegal aliens that they brought in there just roam the neighborhood. No rules, no regulations. You'd think they would tell them, hey, don't bother the local people. Don't be going door to door. The officials have already been notified, and they said, well, there's nothing we could do. Hey, 5-0, cops, there's nothing we could do. Elected officials, there's nothing we could do. Oh, you can't do anything? Move aside, Curtis Lee. It's now, it's now. It's now showtime. Man, it gets me pissed. Door to door. And then they're testing the doors for cars to see if they open up. What's the purpose of that? You know, the next thing, they're going to be porch pirates stealing whatever packages are left for you by Federal Express, by UPS, by United States Postal Service, by Amazon, or any other package delivery system. You know that's coming next. Then they'll be going through your backyard claiming, oh, we're going through the garbage looking for recyclables so we can get a deposit on the bottles and cans. Yeah, sure you are. Hey, police, are you going to do anything about it? No. Hey, elected officials, you going to do anything about it? No. Hey, Mayor Adams, you brought him here. You going to do anything about it? No. Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb, no. So we continue to pay the taxes, not only feed them, clothe them, give them a place to live, even though they're illegal aliens, but now you let them roam around the neighborhood. Broadway, Billy, as bad as it's ever been with homeless people, I have never seen American homeless people going door-to-door begging. Now, I've seen Jehovah Witnesses, I've seen Morbid missionaries go door-to-door trying to preach and to convert you to their religion. That's different. They bang on your door. They try to talk to you into voting for their candidate. I get that. I have never seen homeless people in New York City going door to door begging for money or begging for food or clothes or anything else. Who the hell trained these illegal aliens? I'm telling you where they learned that. Caracas, Venezuela, the land of Maduro, the land of scams. 
Venezuelans are great in business, but they're also great gangbangers and scammers. And, oh, boy, they're leading, and the other illegal aliens are beginning to learn how to do this and watch. It's going to be over the top. This week, i got to put a stop to it. i got to put a stop to it. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Brandon calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Brandon. Hey, Curtis. Actually, New Jersey. But um, I was calling because of the uh, the Frankie Awards. He was originally going to call us something else. But then a few of the listeners, myself included, told him to uh, call it the Frankies instead. And the reason I did it was because during the uh, funniest hour in all radio, Avery actually coined that term, talking about the New Year's Eve Eve uh, awards that he hands out. So it's kind of like a homage to Avery. And, of course, you know, Frank had no idea. He's so narcissistic. But um, did you uh, did you catch that interview he did yesterday morning with Steve Lightfoot? No, no. Tell me about it. He uh, This guy claims that uh, Stephen King was the one that killed John Lennon. And Frank has him on there, you know, like he's Neil deGrasse Tyson, like interviewing him all seriously. And the guy is clearly schizophrenic and and uh, anti-Zionist. And just it was a real mess of a show or uh, interview, I should say. Well, uh, I know of the situation of the guy who blames Stephen King, yes, up in Maine for killing John Lennon. Yes, I'm familiar with that. I don't know how the Mama Luke Frank Morano handled the interview, but I will tell you this. Even though I've had to re-enroll him in the Curtis Sliwa Boot Camp for Talk Radio because he has fallen from being the ratings leader here at WABC, he's back to rarefied air. I'm proud to be number one. I'm proud to be number one. I'm proud to be number one. Shout out. You were number one. You've fallen from grace. Stay focused, people. Stay Stay focused. Now I have to pimp slap you around and get you back on track. Yep. Frank Morano got a big fat head. Thought he was better than he is. And now reality has sunk in that he's got a long way to go. And I've been uh, tasked with a responsibility by our owners and operators, John and Margot Katzmatidis, of our parent company, Red Apple Media, run by our capo di tutti, uh, Chad Lopez, to uh, shape him back up. And if it means breaking his leg, I'll have to do that too. And by the way, it'll teach him a lesson. A little pain compliance always gets somebody attention when they're they have attention deficit disorder like Frank Morano does. Because remember, he is like, the best way to describe Frank Morano, if you know him in real life, is he is the real-life George Costanza of Seinfeld. Real life, just like George Costanza. He looked... This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC, here's Curtis Lewa. I had a dream We were sipping a whiskey neat Highest floor of the Bowery And I was high enough Somewhere along the lines We stopped seeing eye to eye You were staying out all night And I had enough No, I don't want to know 
Get her on his uh, other side of midnight. Apparently, Selena Gomez is hanging out with Benny uh, Blanco. Who the hell is Benny Blanco? Sounds like he could have been a member of Menudo, right? With Ricky Martin. I don't know if him and Ricky Martin were getting it on. Who knows? But uh, who the hell is Benny Blanco? Anyway, uh, she's now saying that she may give up that part of her career where she sings, and I guess Frank Morano can replace her singing the Oscar Mayer theme song for Dirty Water Hot Dogs. Oh, my God. we got to end this singing here at WABC by our talk show hosts and hostesses, starting with uh, the man himself, John Katsimatidis, who was singing Que Sera Sera with Anthony Weiner last Saturday. You know what he told me, Broadway Billy? He told me, stay home. You got the itch. Next thing I know, he takes the hour from me. Oh, yeah, it's Anthony Weiner from 2 to 4 taking on all the Trumpers. And then it's John Katzmatidis getting into the gladiator pit with Anthony Weiner. And then after they were like two scorpions in a brandy glass going at one another, what does he do? He starts singing Que Sera Sera with Anthony Weiner like they're singing under a carousel. Show tunes, Broadway show tunes. Next thing you know, they'll be going to musicals together on Broadway. Oh, my God. What, the Lion King? Madonna my. I don't know what's happening. Anyway, let's go to Robert, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Robbie. Good morning, Curtis. Can you imagine those two singing Kakuna Matata together? <laughs> Wee! <laughs> anyway. <laughs> what, Kenya? Oh, okay. I, they should do it in Kenya. I got a better idea. How about they pretend to be Timon and Pumbaa? Well, oh, never mind, never mind. Oh, I didn't call about that. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I got God, Curtis, you're making me laugh. I can imagine. No, I can just imagine John Katzmatidis and Anthony Weiner on the stage <laughs> of the Lion King singing yeah, yeah. that. Anyway, I got to, I got a bit. You mentioned one of the Gabor sisters. Between Zsa Ava, and Magda, they were married 17 times. Mm. All of them except one were millionaires, and one was a cab driver. A cab driver? A cab driver. I'm not sure which one of the three. Their voices are rather similar. I remember seeing one of them on the old, remember the old F Troop show with Sergeant O'Rourke? Yes. And Captain Parmenter, which is one of my favorite TV shows, it being a Western, but a comedic Western. Now, let's get to Yul Brenner, because that's what you wanted to talk about. Oh, now. the best, Yul Brenner. Okay, the best. three, my three favorite movies, number one, two, and three, not necessarily in that order. The Ten Commandments, of course, where he plays Ramses II, Let My People Go, you know, and all that great, great stuff. You know, death to the Israelites, death to the, the Hebrews, and he's there on his chariot charging across the desert. My two other favorite movies, 
One, of course, the Magnificent Seven. Now, I have to say this. Everyone knows that the Magnificent Seven was, if not a ripoff, it was, you know, the Japanese-American counterpart of the Magnificent Seven. But the Western Writers of America, of which I am a bona fide member and have been one for over 30 years, once voted the 10 best Westerns. And I believe that the Magnificent Seven came in like four or five or six, but, you know, behind uh, the searchers and that sort of thing. Great, great film. And at the very end of the movie, as three of them, because three of them have been killed, one, the little Mexican guy, Chico, stays behind because he fell in love with a, one of the village gals. And as three of them ride off, uh, Yul Brenner says, you know, the old man was right. Only the farmers won. We lost. Mm. We always lose, which is a great thing. Because their, their their job was over. They killed Eli Wallach and his forty Mexican bandits, and they but they were leave. The farmers told him, "Go away. We got to grow our crops." The other movie that I recommend to you, if you've never seen it, is a movie he made in the nineteen fifties called The Buccaneer, with either Charlton Heston or Kirk Douglas. Uh, he played uh, uh, Yul Brenner played uh, Jean Lafitte. The, the famous pirate who assisted Andy Jackson in defending New Orleans. Oh, by the way, Monday, January 8th, is the anniversary because that was the day, the pivotal battle for New Orleans, a battle that we won, but by that time, the War of 1812 that nobody remembers uh, was over. Now, now let me ask you a question, though. Andrew Jackson in that movie was Charlton Heston, right? Right, correct. Absolutely, Curtis. As usual, correct. At Charlton Heston. Oh, he it was it, it was great, and you're right. The war was already over, and nobody told both sides well, the war is over. Well, you know why? Because it, you know, it, it was a slow boat to China coming the other way. Because the Treaty of Ghent had been signed three weeks earlier, but the the Battle of New Orleans is the only major land battle we won in the War of 1812. Which, again, if you were to go into school today, and I've done this because I was a history instructor for 40 years, college, high school. And one of the things that kids don't even remember, I once asked the kids uh, in, a, in a school, when was the War of 1812? And you would be amazed. One kid said, no, it was 1826, <laughs> 1842, 1898. And they didn't even remember the War of 1812. And then I asked them, I asked them, what was important about the War of 1812? And they said, I don't know. And I said, you know that the the capital of the United States, Washington, D.C., was burned to the ground by the British? And do you know that the British did that in retaliation because we invaded Canada uh, in 1813 and we burned the provincial capital of York? And so the British decided they were going to do that. Yeah, yeah it was a uh, tit for a tat. But by the way, back yeah. to the movie about the yeah. Battle of New Orleans. And you're right, Yul Brenner, Lafitte, uh, the pirate who was assisting uh, General Jackson uh, in beating the British. Right. I believe, now maybe I'm, I'm wrong, and it was another Cecil B. DeMille production, but I believe that the director was Anthony Quinn. He's you're, again, Curtis is right as usual, right as rain. Because yes, I, I remember Quinn. towards the end of his life, you know, first of all, I never knew that Anthony Quinn was uh, from Mexico, Mexico City. I had no idea. You know, I thought he was Greek, so but the Greek, I had no idea. And he was talking about how he took on the director's role from Cecil B. DeMille for the Battle of New Orleans. And he said, boy, 
you know, I got to tell you, dealing with Yul Brenner and dealing with Charlton Heston, <laughs> two humongous egos there, he goes, I realized act, uh, the directing was not for me after that. You know that Anthony Quinn, by the way, when you mentioned Anthony Quinn, one of my favorite movies he ever did was Viva Zapata. Yes, Viva Zapata. Right, right. One last thing, Curtis, when you mentioned Yul Brenner, one of the most emotional moments in my life, my mom uh, always loved Yul Brenner, and she wanted to see him in the Broadway production of The King and I. And so as a Mother's Day gift to my late mom, I gave her two tickets, and I believe that that last performance, because he said on stage that he was not, he's going, was going to retire, and she said to me, as she, you know, put her arms around me and said it was a performance that everybody in the theater cried uh, because, you know, he, he was, you know, he said, I'm, I'm going to retire. But she never forgot that. And uh, that was just, you know, an, a, an emotional moment that I had for my late mom who died in 2016 on her 96th birthday. So I thank you for bringing up Yul Brenner. And, uh, yeah, let's have uh, Frank Morano and uh, Anthony Weiner uh, doing uh, Timon and Pumbaa or... Kakuna Matata. I think that would be funny. <laughs> I can't believe it. After battling for an hour last Saturday, after after John Katzmatidis told me, stay home, you got the itch. He used that as an excuse, Broadway Billy. He said, how do we know it's not infectious? How do we know it's not what Sid Rosenberg said it was, scabies? Stay home until we figure out what it is. You know what he did? He came in, he did the hour. With Anthony Weiner, and then after they were battling each other, I mean, arguing, yelling, probably pointing fingers. What the hell was that? Whatever will be, will be. The future's not What the hell is next? Singing Broadway songs? What are they going to do? Yul Brenner and the King, uh, King of Siam? By the way, uh, you know, almost every male's rite of passage in Hollywood and uh, Broadway is to be a drag queen. I kid you not, to dress like a woman. Oh, I mean, you, I don't care, Stallone, you name it, oh, they've all dressed like women in movies. Wesley Snipes, Wesley Snipes, who came from the same Monroe housing projects in the South Bronx as the great Bernard McGurk did. When he was like the only McWhitey Whitey there, oh, we miss him. We miss him so much. That's why every time I do a program, it's always referenced uh, as being in the Bernard McGurk studio. Uh, I don't think Bernie ever dressed in drag. Wesley Snipes did. Stallone did. Almost all the actors in Hollywood at some point. And so did Yul Brenner. He appeared in drag as a torch singer. I don't know if it was an Ocasio foal. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe we could get Frank Morano, you know, singing uh, an Ocasio Fold. God, that would make me want to projectile vomit. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Here are guys that know how to sing. Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett. John Katzmatidis and Anthony Weiner. Nope. 
Sorry. Listen, listen. The memory of all that. No, no, they can't take that away from me. The way your smile just beats. The way you sing off key. The way you haunt my dreams. No, no, they can't take that away from me. We may never, never, never meet again on that bump. Be road to love But I'll always Always keep The memory of The way you hold your knife The way we dance Till three The way you've changed My life Hey no They can't take that away From me No, you You can't take that away from me. singing the duet with Frank Sinatra there. Let's see. It wouldn't be Aretha Franklin. No. no. Certainly wasn't the schnoz Barbara Streisand. Gee. That is a great duet. Ella Fitzgerald? Could have been Ella, right? No, no, no. Well, you know, I'm not uh, Joe Piscopo, you know, the two-hour Sinatra extravaganza. Uh, think Natalie Cole. No, no, they can't take that away from me. Yeah, yeah, no, no. See, you know, got to tell you, uh, time. You know, I hate tennis with a passion. Back then, uh, David Dinkins, that was his only passion, was going to the U.S. Open tennis tournament late August, September in Flushing Meadow Park. 
Queens. That was the only time he'd actually go to Queens. Guy never left Manhattan. So uh, I was doing the morning show, and he tells me, calls me up, oh, you got to come to, uh, got to come to the tennis tournament. Uh, I want you to join me. I want you to be my guest. At that time, uh, Lisa, my wife, was my partner. So she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, nah, I don't want to go. Come up with an excuse. You can go. I do not want to go. I hate tennis. Mayor calls up again. Are you folks coming? Got two tickets for you. Oh, my God. I had a schlep out there. And then, uh, you know, he showed up in his tennis whites like he was ready to go down in center court. I think Martina Navratilova was playing. It wasn't uh, against uh, King. But uh, she was playing, and, oh, he was all for toots. He was all for toots. And then I lost a bet to uh, David Dinkins playing basketball at Madison Square Garden on the hardwood against his aide-de-camp, Arnie Segura, because the deck was uh, stacked against me. Mark Green was the referee who, at that time, perpetual candidate for Congress, uh, for the U.S. Senate, uh, for every conceivable uh, uh, elected position. And he was, at the time, consumer affairs chief in the Dinkins administration. Halfway through, I'm beating Arnie Segura. He's quite a good ball player, but, I, man, Broadway Billy, I was hitting him down 35, 35 feet out, 40 feet out, like a typical white boy. Swish! Wasn't even hitting the rim, all net. So he calls a timeout, David Dinkins, and he tells Mark Green, you better start calling fouls on the might, the mighty whitey there, the white shadow. Because if Arnie Segura loses, man, you might want to be looking for a new job. Instead of being consumer affairs chief, you'll be running for another office. Every other time, foul, foul, foul. So Arnie Segura wins 21-19. And you know what I had to do for a day at City Hall? I had to dress in tennis whites with a tennis racket and greet everybody coming into City Hall. That was so humiliating. Boy, did I get my revenge by helping Rudy beat him the second time. But do you know who was visiting that day? Oh, yeah, Nat King Cole's daughter. And she goes, is that you, Curtis? Where's your red beret? I said, well, I lost a bet to the mayor. She goes, oh, because I'm performing today. Here at City Hall, I'm singing uh, a rendition. This is before she did that that rendition, uh, you know, with her father who had already passed away. I forget what they call that. Uh, anyway, that's my uh, story about Nat King Cole's daughter who had to look at me in my most embarrassing position of all time, dressed in tennis whites, with a racket, with a headband in white that had my name on it, as David Dinkins was getting a good belly laugh at my expense. But I got my revenge! I tried to help Rudy beat him the first time in 88, and then I came back with a vengeance and helped Rudy beat him finally in 92 because it was so important to save the city. David Dinkins, nice guy, but not ready for prime time. Sort of like his protege, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. 
Check this out. On the weekend, Ufa. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Chaka, Chaka Khan. Here's another case where I had to separate politics from the songstress. She, a follower of Screwy Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. Say it ain't so, Chaka. Say it ain't so. to the break of dawn. It's dark outside. This station, WABC, is global. Heard all over the world, but not in Antarctica. You can get it with your app. If you download the WABC app and your iPhone or smartphone, get it on your stream of your worktop computer or your laptop. And you can hear it from the highest peaks of the Himalaya Mountains, snow-capped as they are in Kathmandu and Nepal. To the lowest elevation, oh yeah, forget Death Valley, the Dead Sea. When I went swimming there, you could see Jordan to the left, you're right in the middle of Israel, and all the Russians were swimming like they were loving it, and I dove in, and I mean salt in every orifice of my body. I felt like the Morton Salt guy. God, who the hell would want to swimming the Dead Sea. Yeah! Let me hear it. Raise it up. radio station in the nation, bar none. And remember, my mission is make sure none of you go to sleep. Oh, no, you can't. You can't go to sleep on me. I don't go to sleep on Chaka Khan, even though I can't understand why she likes Screwy Louie Farrakhan in the nation of Islam. Stop, I'm a video, as we are fully in our 
chaka 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 time. Even though you are the greatest DJ of all time, and hey, Tony Orlando without Dawn, what the hell ever happened to Dawn, right? I never hear him play chaka con, chaka 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 con. Oh yeah, so good, so good. Well, you know, it's time for us to uh, head back to the phones. Let's go to Anthony in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Anthony. How you doing? Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Hey, that, that, that song is unforgettable. It is. And I have to forgive her for loving Screwy Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. No, I'm talking about the uh, Nat King Cole. Oh, oh, you mean with... Unforgettable. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, you weren't going to give props to Chaka Khan. I get it. I get it, Anthony. All right. So, uh, talking about Unforgettable, there's an Unforgettable movie uh, that you Brenner did called Thomas Bulba. Did now, you ever hear this? Which, what was that about? Thomas, he he's a, plays a, uh, a chieftain, plays a Cossack chieftain. That one I didn't his, see. Oh, you have to see that, man. You talk about the Ukrainian history and all, that's it. You know, my father took me to see that movie when I was like uh, 10 years old. <laughs> You know, he's because he's Polish-Ukrainian. Yes. And, and so, his son in that movie happens to be uh, Tony Curtis. You know, Tony, Tony here, and Curtis, you. Tony Curtis plays his son in that. <laughs> oh. And so and he they... Off with a Polish girl, gets himself in trouble. <laughs> that's right. So they were Cossacks. Yeah. Excellent movie. And they do all the Cossack dancing and everything. Excellent, man. Man. History, you know? I got I got to check that out because... Towards the end of his career, before he died of lung cancer, uh, I saw uh, Yul Brenner, probably in his most uh, iconic role in that cult film, Westworld, as the gunslinger. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Killer Robot. That. Oh, that, that was great stuff. But I, I will yeah. tell you, out of all the great things that Yul Brenner did, both in theater, on the stage... And obviously in movies, the greatest thing he ever left behind was that PSA about why people shouldn't smoke. I mean, he looked right in that that. camera. You could see he was deteriorating from the lung cancer. And this I remember watching over and over and over. Ladies and gentlemen, the late Yul Brynner. I really wanted to make a commercial when I discovered that I was that sick. And my time was so limited. I wanted to make that commercial that says simply, now that I'm gone, I tell you, don't smoke. Whatever you do, just don't smoke. If I could take back that smoking, we wouldn't be talking about any cancer. I'm convinced of that. Wow. That 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 hit hard. I remember watching that. The way he looked right into the camera, and he, you you could tell he was he was dying right in front of us. Yeah, I think people learned a lot from that. Uh, although I will tell you this, he did. You know, Yul Brenner, although he wasn't born in America, where where the hell? The one place I wanted to go uh, when I started the Guardian Angels in Japan. I didn't have a chance to go to Vladivostok, 
which is right on the Russian Pacific coast, mostly Japanese, believe it or not, Chinese, not that many real Russians. Apparently, he was born there to a wealthy family. But every time he would talk about his life, he would talk about how his father was uh, (laughs) like, hey, you could check the DNA that his father was like a Mongol and his mother was uh, a gypsy. Hard to believe. He had a little bit of George Santos in him, but not. The whole nine yards like George Santos. Probably the best story I ever heard that proved to me he had become Americanized. He got so pissed off that he was paying so many taxes in the United States. And then as a result of staying too long in the United States, he felt he would be bankrupted by the taxes he and the penalty debts imposed upon him by the Internal Revenue Service. That all of a sudden he renounced his U.S. citizenship at the U.S. Embassy in Switzerland in 1965. He said it was either that or I go broke. Just showing you how the IRS, they didn't care who you are. You know, the IRS, it's so interesting, the Treasury Department. You could be the worst criminal in the world. You could be Pablo Escobar of the old Medellin cartel. And imagine if you were living in the United States. They would approach you, Broadway Bill Lee. Let's say you were Frank Lucas, right? Big-time drug dealer back then when Nicky Barnes and him were running the streets of Harlem and the Bronx. And they would say to you, hey, Frank, we know you owe a lot of money. We know you've done a lot of bad things. We know you've been bringing in uh, heroin, cocaine, the whole nine yards. We don't care about that. We're not going to inform the FBI. We're not going to inform local police. Just pay your taxes on it. And you turn to them with your accountant and you say, you mean, what is it? If I pay my taxes, you're not going to pass on the information to law enforcement? No. We're going to put window shades on our eyes, cotton balls in our ears, a zipper on our mouth. That is not our job. Our job is to make sure that you end up paying taxes on any income, whether it's illicit, illegal, legal. You got to pay your taxes. And remember, they proved that before there was the FBI. There was the Treasury Department. Remember Elliot Ness and the Untouchables, right? They nailed Capone, right? How'd they do that? They were Treasury agents. They did it with a number two sharpened pencil. They raided the offices of Capone's operation, not in Chicago, and nearby Cicero. And they grabbed Greasy Thumb Gusick, who was his accountant. And how did they know that Greasy Thumb Goosick was keeping two sets of books, Broadway Billy? Because he would always be eating a a, a Polish sausage and have greasy fingers. And so they matched up the greasy thumbprints in one set of books with the other set of books. So Capone had a set of books for himself and a set of books for everybody else. And that's how they busted Al Capone. That's how he ended up going to Alcatraz. And they go, because the syphilis was eating up his brain. I guess he was trying to sing, too, at Alcatraz. But he never ratted anybody out. Didn't sing like a bird. Oh, that reminds me. Bert Lancaster. Remember the Birdman of Alcatraz? That was a great film. Remember, he was like triple life without parole. I think he had killed a correctional officer, a screw, a jailer. 
in addition to somebody else that got him in the joint, and he had all those birds. Oh, he would have been great. He would have been feeding the pigeons out there with me and Nancy and John Katsimatidis. We love the pigeons. And I know for a lot of you, you think pigeons, street pigeons, are nothing more than rats with wings. Wrong. Yeah, the Birdman of Alcatraz, nasty guy, according to everybody. The only thing he liked were birds. People he hated. Wow, man, am I spinning? I'm spinning like a top here. Let's go to Sandra in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sandra. Oh, good morning, uh, Curtis. I wanted to tell you I was sleeping, and I keep the radio on really low when I sleep, and I heard you, and I had to tell you a couple of things that I wanted to say. One, I'm the one who said that Sid should be a, spoke, a spokesman for the Jewish people, and you saved that clip for him, and he heard it. So when I went to Cipriani to meet Donald Trump, I met Sid, and I had a reason to go over to him thanks to you, and we took a picture, and, I, and I'm grateful to you for that. So I wanted, that was the first thing I wanted to Oh, say. yeah, but wait a second. You know, ever since what? you labeled him the new King David, he walks around like he owns the world. <laughs> he goes, I'm King David II. I'm King David II. Me, Sid Rosenberg. I know. Oh, well. But listen, now the second thing I wanted to say to you, I really mean this. I'm not just saying it. I really think nobody would be a better mayor than you because I'm convinced you know this city like nobody else. You know the inner workings of this city. And here's what I wanted to say. I know you love the radio. I, I know you have a passion for it. So did Franklin D. Roosevelt. He was president, and he loved to go on the radio to inform the people of everything that he was doing. So you become mayor, and you can still do the radio. You'll talk to the people every day. Oh, oh! So you, you see now, now. Let me let me connect the dots there. So Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the fireside right. chats when radio was king. When there was no TV, it was only radio. I like that. Right. But actually, okay. what I like even better because I've seen the old black and white films is of then Mayor LaGuardia, who was a fusion candidate both Republican, Democrat, Independent, who, by the way, although Italian, spoke perfect Yiddish. That's how he got elected. And uh, he would read the funnies. When the newspapers were on strike, he would read the comic section to the kids and then would also do uh, some normal kind of talk radio. Uh, so I, I think I'm a little more like LaGuardia. I'm not a patrician like uh, FDR. I mean, he was the ultimate wasp. No, 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 no. I'm more like LaGuardia. Don't you think so, Sandra? It doesn't matter. Whoever you are, I'm just saying you love to talk on the radio. Yes. So that's a good tool for you when you become mayor. Yeah. And I do hope you become mayor because we need you very badly. Now, the last thing I wanted to say, I love your wife, Nancy. She spoke about getting all the pet stores to take in some rescue dogs. And I would even help her do this. You start calling up all these pet stores. You get the name of the stores. You call them up, and you give them you give them an incentive. You say, if you take a couple of dogs, your name, your store will be mentioned on the radio. You have to give them an incentive to take some of the dogs. And I really think that would be a great idea. And I keep thinking about it, and I, I would love to help her do that. Yeah, yeah no, no. In fact, uh, Sandra uh, just... Uh Make sure you hang on. Broadway Bill Bill Lee will get your uh, information. 
Uh, but no, that was a brilliant idea by Nancy, who's really yeah. come into her yeah. own as a broadcaster. She not only does the animal welfare show with me uh, Sunday nights from uh, 10 to 11, uh, it'll be syndicated nationally in February from coast to coast uh, as part of our Red Apple uh, media operation. Uh, and now she joins me on the Rip and Read Tuesdays and Thursdays from 12 to 1 because she does the deep dive on a lot of information that requires a lot of research, and she's an e-attorney. And all last week, uh, she had joined me on the Rip and Read uh, I gotta watch my back, Broadway Bill Lee. She's good. She may end up, she may having her own show here. And then John Katsimatidis calls me up again and says, why don't you stay home, get some sleep? Why? Wait. No, no, no. Nancy's coming in. She, she's going solo. Uh, huh? Well, that's, that's great. No, she's, I think that she's gonna be an asset for the radio. Oh, no, yeah. Well, we're building, we're building our bench here. We need more female voices, Sandra. And apparently Nancy has struck a chord with a lot of the listeners. They're responding, uh, on email. They're responding on texts. They're responding, uh, by writing. I ended up bringing fan mail home. There's like 10 letters. It doesn't even say Curtis Sliwa on it. It says Nancy Sliwa, not Curtis. <laughs> That's okay. Well, I, I don't know. I'm getting, uh, I'm getting a little paranoid. I'm developing all this talent here. You know, I'm putting them through my Curtis Lee boot camp. But you know the old saying, all of a sudden, the student tries to do better than the teacher. They always do. They're everyone. You, right. you know, you know they're going to do that. Dominic Carter, right? You know, he's going to try to outdo me. He's already given uh, hints. I'll never forget. Here it is, right? I smacked around Dominic Carter. I walked into the studio. I said, hey, you're no longer a TV reporter. You're a talk show host. Act like one. Have an opinion. I don't want to hear this any longer. Well, I really shouldn't say this. Yes, say it. Let it fly. And now all of a sudden, I noticed the other day, he was telling one of the callers, Curtis Lee will never debate Andrew Cuomo. Curtis Lee will never debate. What do you mean by that, Dominic? Let it go. Be me. What do you mean by that, Dominic? Do you think I'm not ready for prime time, huh? You don't think I can handle Andrew Evilides Cuomo in the bullpen? Just go. Ah, all of a sudden, he's feeling his oats, right? He graduated the Curtis Lee boot camp of talk radio, and now he's feeling his oats. When does it stop? And there's Anthony Weiner now hooked up with John Katzmatidis. Four o'clock today, four to five, like two scorpions in a brandy glass. And then at the end of it, they're singing show tunes. Happy New Year. Sarah, Sarah. Oh, gosh. Whatever will be. What the hell was that? The futures that are to see. Hey, Sarah, Sarah. Wasn't that Doris Day? Let Doris Day sing the song, guys. Shut up. Oh, my God. They, they battle each other for an hour. They're like almost like at each other's throats. And then they sing a show tune at the end. A Doris, I'm pretty sure that was Doris Day's show tune, right? Kesarasara. Oh, my God. I don't know. I don't know. What the hell? He told me to, he told me to collect splinters last week. And now he likes it so much, he's coming in again. That's it. You know he's taking that hour away from me. You know that, Broadway Billy. And you know what's next? He'll be telling me, hey, stay home. Nancy's going to do the rip and read. Yeah, but no buts. 
You need to get some sleep. There's plenty of time to sleep when we're dead. You're staying home. You watch. You watch. And then that Mamaluke, Frank Morano, now that I had to put him to remedial training in the Curtis Lee boot camp for talk radio because he was doing so well in the ratings, and then he fell from grace, and now he's back to – he's uh, fallen to earth. You watch. He's going to do the yeah, you're gonna Musa. do. He's gonna do the same thing. Guarantee you. And then let's not forget Andrew Giuliani, right? ACDC, the show is Sunday nights, eight to nine. I gotta school him and being a talk radio show host. Hey, knock it off, Andrew. I don't want to hear about Trump. I don't want to hear about your daddy. They got their own personalities. You need to develop your own. Watch. He'll be the same one. It'll be the Ides of March, March 15th. You'll see Andrew Giuliani on one side with a shiv and Frank Morano on the other. And I'll say, a two Brutus, a two Morano, a two Andrew. It's a vicious world, talk radio. You build them up, and the next thing you know... They're singing show tunes like they were Marv Albert and a Lawrence Taylor lookalike under a carousel singing Broadway show tunes. And you see, you got to watch your back in this business. Hey, hey, Professor Sliwa, teach me what you know. And then they use it against you. Oh, yeah. How many times have you seen that happen? The student tries to outdo the teacher. Let's go to Mike in Nassau County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Mikey. All right, my man, Curtis. You know what? Oofa! And I'll tell you, Curtis, you were listening. You were in the studio when they dropped the ball. I spoke to John Cachamatidis and uh, Dominic uh, about my father, 52 years, Grand Union, and uh, manager, district manager, oldest son. And uh, I was laughing uh, earlier. I tuned in. And the gentleman called about how he, you know, had an injury on his spine, and he had a shopping cart in there. It was a Grand Union shopping cart. I had a a handle from one of my dad's uh, shopping carts. I put duct tape on it, you know, use it as a weapon. And I still carry a bat, an Italian bat, in my car. And I'll tell you this, um, uh, Curtis, I met you 20 years ago. Outside of Penn Station, we were chatting for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. You give me a card. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Mama Luke's Morano and this Sid Rosenbaum, I told you, um, you know, I, I, uh, I had about a half dozen conversations with Bernard McGurk, Long Beach Boardwalk. I'm going there since I'm a kid. And I said, I can't stand your partner. And now, you know, now he wants to stay at the King David Hotel and this and that. Uh, he's a wannabe Italian mob guy, and he's a wannabe Howard Stern. Well, let me tell you something. I got to watch my back with Sid Rosenberg. I got to watch my back with everybody, Frank Morano, because they say, hey, 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 what's this guy? He runs the talk radio boot camp? Who left him? Who, who dropped dead and left him in charge? That's what I'm hearing. That's the buzz. Who dropped dead and left Curtis Lee in charge, huh? This is one of the many tasks that I have been uh, given here at WABC, not only to impart uh, my theater of the mind to all of you on the best side of the other side of midnight, Saturday mornings, 12 to 6 to the break of dawn, nobody goes to sleep. And, of course, so nice, they let me do it twice, Sunday mornings, 12 to 6, in which in 24 hours I am going to play a litany of talk show hosts and hostesses who I have caught singing on air, and I have asked that there be a ban 
against anybody singing a band. They all try this stuff. Even Dominic Carter, he thinks he's singing karaoke now. What the hell is this? Why? Because he's a black man? He thinks he can carry a tune? Let me tell you something about Dominic Carter. I'm blacker than Dominic Carter. It's just no doubt about it. And you know that too, Broadway Billy. If people were listening and they didn't know who Curtis Sleewell was and they didn't know who Dominic Carter was and they just listened, they would say, oh, the guy the guy with the name Curtis, he's the black guy. He sounds black. Whereas Dominic Carter sounds like a white guy living in, in Pomona, Rockland County, where he lives, where even the lawn jockeys are white. Singing karaoke, and he thinks he's good at it. He's horrible. And I tell them all, shut up. That's not what you... partner, Dominic Carter's on deck. And boy, a- Amy Stewart, by the way, I'm trying to think of who sings this. Knock on wood. Live me. Oh, look, oh, I knew it. Here we go. Here's the chorus. You knock on wood. Oh, God, read it, too. Let me see. We got John Katzmatidis, Anthony Weiner singing show tunes. We got Frank Morano. Oh, God. Enough, enough. We got Mr. Oscar Mayer Weiner singing. Maybe the worst. Absolute worst, Frank Morano. Then, of course, James Golden coming up at 7. Because. I'm such a He's already boy. practicing no. being Frankie Crocker and Vaughn Harper at WBLS. No, Guess what? No. Hey, Urkel. Barry. He went to Jackson High School in Southeast Queens. He was the Urkel there. Yeah, Nothing. yeah. Try to be Barry White this now, right? You were an Urkel yeah, back then. And then, of course, Rudy. Rudy was singing, too. What the hell was that? He likes opera. I know that. Pagliacci, all of that. He's no singer. I don't know what it is with these folks. They should be happy. They got a microphone, 50,000 powerful watts of sound, the most powerful radio station in the world. Now, it's still dark outside, and the most powerful radio station by day. Nobody wants to hear them singing. Nobody. But, oh, they got to force it on us, force it. Hey, let's face it. Uh, If you're stuck in a car and somebody else controls the radio up front, right, in the dashboard, the terrestrial radio, you got no choice. You are required to listen because if you ask to change it, whoever's driving the car might drive off the road. one 800 Let's go to Denise, who's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Denise. Hi, Curtis. A little late, but Happy New Year to you and Nancy. Oh, thank you. Um, Curtis, is a follow-up to your last uh, caller. I forget her name. Um, is it possible, is this within the realm of reality? In order to get some of those dogs out of the um, kill shelters, animal well, uh, animal control is terrible. In order to showcase them in some of the um, abandoned stores, even. Yeah, well, that's what Nancy was talking about with John Katsimatidis and Margot Katsimatidis right. as yes. we welcomed in yes. the new year. No, no, and we're going to press. Yes, I heard that. We're going to press forward with that idea with uh, hopefully the help of John Katsimatidis and Margot Katsimatidis this year. One empty storefront. We could put some dogs and cats in the window. People would pass by. They'd be wanting to adopt those dogs and cats. They'd be lining up to do that. I know. Uh, that's what we need, and we also need you. We really do, Curtis. 
And as the last caller, and I'm reiterating, and a lot of people have said it to you, we need you. You know the city, you know the ins and outs, and you have our best interest in your heart. So please seriously consider. Oh, well, uh, that, thank you, Denise. Thank you because uh, it turned my stomach. I saw a picture the other night. I couldn't believe it. Of uh, the two guys who have taken us right into the abyss. There was Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, standing next to the swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, Eric Adams, and they had big smiles on their face. God only knows. They were probably comparing notes. Who who destroyed the city more? And I said, oh, man, this got to stop. This got to stop, Denise. I know. I know. And 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 and. We're on a very slippery slope right now. Oh, I mean, oh yeah, and, and I got to tell you. We're in big trouble. Big okay. trouble. Uh, it's a slippery slope. And just make sure, folks out there, that you got your soap on a rope. This is another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Like the fire, you place the flowers in the vase that you bought today. Staring at the fire for hours and hours while I listen to you play your love songs. two cats the times that by a few as she rescues them from the shelter before they get euthanized gets them medically up to par socializes them and then adopts them out and they become family members of people who treat them in many instances better than their own family members because the pets the dogs the cats they just never give you a hard time Great song by Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, but it's a perfect lead-in because the other day, oh boy, you can tell uh, a lot of people want to be mayor in the city because they sense this mayor is wounded. Eric Adams has uh, been giving us a rope-a-dope for two years, and he's 
He's paid the consequences for never doing anything to follow up on what he says. He's down to 28% in the polls. No one has ever been lower. No one. Not Dinkins. Not Beam. Not Lindsey. Eric Adams, 28%. His hero, Joe Biden, is about 38%, right? And even Biden has turned his back on him. But let me tell you this. Uh, there was uh, the other day, there was Eric Adams at one police plaza. And he was, I mean, he was hooting and hollering, upset at Jumani Williams, who wants to be mayor. He's a public advocate. And he was calling out Jumani Williams because he was saying, hey, man, this guy lives in Fort Hamilton in an active garrison right there in Brooklyn in the shadow of the Verrazano Bridge in Diker Heights, Bay Ridge. All true. To be able to advocate to erode the ability of police to do protection when you have an entire army protecting your family and you drive around with police protection. Um, and I don't know when the last time he was on the subway system. Ooh. Ooh. He hit him with a one-two-three punch. But surprisingly, Jumani Williams, who's always held this fire before, realizes this is a weak mayor. He can't even control the city council. Jumani Williams does as public advocate. That's a sad state of affairs when the mayor has no juice with a majority of the city council members because he can offer them tchotchkes. He can offer them uh, discretionary funds, special projects. Clearly, they ain't listening to him no more. They're listening to Jumani. And Jumani then held a press conference from his house in the active garrison, the Army Fort, Fort Hamilton, in his home by Zoom, saying, yeah, I live here in Fort Hamilton, but you, Mr. Mayor? It's absurd. I, I will say, I live in Brooklyn with my wife and kids, and my understanding, the mayor lives in New Jersey with his girlfriend, so it's uh, funny for him to uh, try to say something like that to me. Psych! Fort Lee, apartment 22H, during the campaign, remember Broadway, Billy? Oh, you're making that up, Curtis. I said, no, no, no. We, I, I was over there. I was right outside of apartment 22H. The Altacacas there, they all know he lives there. With his girlfriend, Beard, I don't know who she is. Point is, he's there quite a bit. And the way I found that information out, everybody was in denial at the apartment building in Fort Lee where he lives. So I walked over to the bagel shop. All the Altacaca women were there. They're like uh, Yentas. Oh, yeah, that's apartment 22H. Uh, I see them all the time coming and going. Wow, Jumani Williams called them out. You know that battle is brewing. And then, of course, circling overhead like a buzzard, like a... Like a vulture, is Andrew Evil Eyes Cuomo says, oh, no, I like Eric Adams, but I'll take his job in a heartbeat. I want to finish the job. I destroyed New York State, and now I want to destroy New York City. Hey, guys, over my dead body. Over my dead body. Let's go to Ivan, who's calling from Woodhaven. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ivan. Another well-known actor around the same time as Yul Brenner. Uh, made an anti-cigarette commercial shortly before dying of lung cancer. Uh, care to make a guess on that? No. Let me know. Want a hint? John Wayne? No. Good guess. He played the district attorney that was the Washington Generals to Perry Mason. 
<laughs> I like that. Uh, who was the uh, the leader of the Washington Generals? Was that Klotz? Klotz, the little guy who shot from from mid court. Right, mid and, and two handed shot. Yep. Yep. Wow. I, I think it's interesting. I think they won one game, and you know what? The district attorney that I'm referring to. In the nine-year run, he didn't make the last year because he died of lung cancer. But in in all those uh, episodes, I believe there might have been one episode where he actually won the case. All right, so let me see. District Attorney, uh, I know is not uh, uh, not uh, Raymond Burr, not Raymond Burr, right? With Raymond Burr, no, 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 no. What 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 show? I'm, I'm Perry Mason. It oh. was. Oh, it was so, the district attorney who, who most of the episodes uh, was the opponent to Perry Mason. Oh, that's right. And he looked like a district attorney. Sure did. And he, he sure looked like he had an illness toward the end of the run of the show. And yeah, he did. Yeah, you're right. Raymond Burr was always uh, the advocate of the accused. And this guy, he was all debonair, wore a nice suit, looked like a real DA type. Yep, yeah. and, and and he was a he was a well known uh, actor in, in in the forties movie movie almost a movie star in the forties. Well, the interesting thing is that uh, a lot of times they'd be smoking on the set when they were filming. Like Yul Brenner was constantly smoking. There were other actors and actresses constantly smoking. It was permitted then. But then I think people began to realize, oh my God, that's just encouraging some. The smoke. That's why that PSA was so powerful of Yul Brenner. I'm sorry, I never saw it. The PSA of the uh, DA who took on Raymond Burr all the time. But oh man, that that was a great show. That was an absolute great show, Ivan. Uh, you want the name? Yeah. William Tallman. Very powerful uh, commercial. I think it's even more powerful than Yul Brenner's. Wow, we're going to have to come up with that for tomorrow's show. Broadway Bill Lee got to come up with that PSA that was done by the DA in uh, versus uh, Raymond Burr. That wasn't Ironside. Oh, no, 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 no. No, that came after. Oh, that was great. Let's go to Keith calling from Cincinnati. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Keith. Hey, Curtis, how you doing? How you doing? Pretty good. I got a great idea. There's only one way to slap Frank upside the head and bring him to reality, okay? And that's you hit him where he hurts, his gambling. What we do is we put together a no-holds-barred. Remember the old uh, throwdown pool game between the Cincinnati kid and the Minnesota Fats? Oh, yeah. Now, let me see, because I remember two distinct ones. There was... Uh, Paul Newman, right, versus Jackie Gleason. Uh, but then there was a, a remake, right? Yeah. Uh, who was in the remake? Steve McQueen played the Cincinnati Kid. That's right. And, what, and who played the, the Hustler? Was that? Uh, Minnesota Fats? Yeah. I can't remember who played that. Yeah. But I know where the pool hall is where the Cincinnati Kid learned how to shoot pool. Where was that? You remember when you went to the White Castle on Vine Street there, and I used to go to the elementary school across the street, St. Francis, Sarah. Yeah, Vine Street, over the Rhine, yep. Yeah, down the street further on Vine Street, uh, between 14th and 13th 
and Vine. There used to be an old pool hall that had been there for years and years. And that's where the Cincinnati kid learned how to shoot pool. Wow. Wow. Because I remember uh, uh, there was the former Speaker of the House who used to work at a gin mill there, I guess his uncle's gin mill. The guy was always crying, remember? He's like, every time he'd spoke. Oh, Banger, Johnny Boner Banger. Yeah, and he'd be smoking like four packs a day, remember? He always had a cigarette in his mouth, always. Oh, I couldn't stand him years ago when I knew him from the uh, Young Republican Club. See, people forget he was from this part of the country. Then he moved out to Westchester and became the... uh, the, uh, congressman out there, which is in, uh, God, I'm trying to think of the name of that county. But is it on, on your way to Covington? No, it's north. Oh, north, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's north of uh, Hamilton County. Yeah, all I remember about him is the guy seemed like he had man tan on, a tan out of a can, and the guy was always crying, always, and smoking, like nonstop, yeah. like a chimney. Well, he was also smoking dope. Later on, he got involved in the cannabis in- industry and owned uh, cannabis places. That's right. He is like uh, considered the number one uh, lobbyist for that. Yeah. Well, anyway, this is what we have to do. We have to put together a no-holds-barred craps throwdown showdown game or tournament between Frank and another late-night talk show host who loves to gamble and shoot the dice. We need to put together a craps game or tournament between Frank Moreno and George Dory. I like that. I like that. No, no, I like that. My money, my money's on uh, Frank Moreno. Believe it. You're going to see us losing our paycheck every two weeks at this casino. Yeah. We, if you have to, if I'm on 49th Street, right? If I have to pass 43rd Street, and I have to pass a casino on a Friday after I've just gotten paid, what do you think I'm doing? Come on. Of course I'm going to go in there and pay. Yeah, that's why they can't put that casino in Times Square. I know that's the consortium of uh, S.L. Green. That's uh, Green's brother, Mark Green's brother, who owns all that real estate. Uh, Bratton's involved in that. J.C.'s involved in that. Can't put it there. Then again, they want to put one down by uh, where the old Penn, uh, Pennsylvania Hotel is. They took that apart brick by brick. Absolutely not. Put it there. Frank will be living there. Now, now then they want to put one right next to the old Con Ed station. It's a Browning field uh, across the street from the United Nations. Don't put it there. Frank will be living there. You know, I think in order to uh, make sure we don't cater to Frank uh, Morano's uh, beast, gambling, Broadway Billy, I think we put it out there Next to City Field, you know, it's like uh, Daddy Warbucks would love it out there, the owner of the Mets. Well, Frank Morano will figure out a way to get there. He'd actually probably take the John Rockers Express, the number seven train out there. Man, doesn't this guy realize he's a loser when he shoots craps? He plays uh, blackjack. He plays five-card draw poker. Come out, rule. New shooter. Come out. All right. Uh, we got eight. Eight. Eight easy. Eight easy. Really? It's like, uh, you, no wonder why you lose. Eight easy. He, you know, he should try shooting. I used to shoot against the brothers there in the street on the curb. 
feet don't fail me now because somebody would always be screaming, 5-0, and everybody scoop up the money and run. And naturally, when the white boy, me, was shooting, CeeLo, three dice, Broadway, Bill Lee, a 4-5-6, and CeeLo. You know, the Chinese love that game now, CeeLo. But he used to be the brothers. I said, what's up with the three dice? I thought it's two dice. No, nah, man, this is CeeLo. This is a brother's game. Uh, excuse me. I got some money here. Huh? What, my money's no good because it's white money? Oh, of course it's good. They figure, oh, we'll take this sucker for a ride. And as soon as I was ahead, oh, 5-0, 5-0. They scooped up the money and ran. They're going to get you no, no, either no, way. No, no. You really think? You imagine Frank Morano in Brownsville never ran, never will. East New York shooting CeeLo up against the curb with the brothers. Man, Frank Morano will be coming back with a sandwich board on him saying, any money for me to get back to the South Shore of Staten Island? Oh, 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 we can continue. Thank you. Oh, you see that? You see that? Uh, you didn't bring your A game here, Broadway Bill Lee. I, I caught you there. I caught you. Another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Oh, it's Nothing me. can stop me. I'm all the way up. Oh, this is Eric Adams, Swagger Man with No Plans, theme song. As you know, he's the mayor of the illegal aliens. He's going to tell us how he's going to take us, Broadway Bill Lee, all the way up. So all those who want to yell at me and call me names, I've been there and I've done that. I'm focused on recovering this city. I am the pilot, folks. And you are all passengers. Stop praying for me to crash the plane. Pray for me to land the plane. Because there's no parachutes on this plane. We're all going down together. They're suckers uh, applauding. Yeah. Jim Jones, let me drink the Kool-Aid in Jonestown. Oh, my God. And who's his co-pilot now? Comrade Bill de Blasio, part-time mayor, dope from Park Slope, who was with him the other night. They took a picture. It's all over the place. They got two big smiles on their face, like the cat that swallowed Tweety Bird. Because here you had one guy, eight years, single-handedly destroyed this city. And now you have de Blasio 2.0, Adams, helping to destroy the city. And they're smiling there. Oh, my God. Yeah, all the way up, right? Yeah, yeah. You keep hanging out with French Montana. Let's see, let's see, French Montana from Morocco. Uh, The name of his uh, record label, Coke Boys. And that ain't named after the billionaire brothers, one of whom passed away. We ain't talking Coke, spelled K-O-C-H, like Koch. We're talking C-O-K-E, like the white powder, you... Inhale into your nose, your schnoz. Let's go to Ken in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Kenny. Good morning, Curtis. How you doing? I have to say, I, I've seen the Magnificent 7 over 150 times. Mm. And before you go out, could you please play 
the iconic music from the Magnificent Seven. Uh, now, which particular flick? I mean, which particular song one. do you want? The first one. The first, Yul Brynner, Steve McQueen, Robert Vaughn, Eli Wallach. It was such an iconic movie. Oh, you mean uh, the, the soundtrack? The soundtrack, the music soundtrack. When you hear it, it sends it it sends it brings up the hairs on your body. Wow! So your follicles get sort of uh, turgid instead of flaccid, right? Now, there we go. That's it. That's it. That's right. Everybody knows that too. The magnificent seven which is based on The Seven Samurai, which was my inspiration for starting. First, The Magnificent 13 out of the Bronx, patrolling the number four train, February 13th, 1979, as the night manager of Mickey D's. We'll be having our 45th anniversary this year. And then, naturally, after we ended up with 13 members, we grew to about 72. By September 4th, 1979, Labor Day, I had flipped the script, and we became the Guardian Angels. That's right. This is that classic song attached to the Magnificent Seven. And who could ever forget Charles Bronson, and especially Yul Brenner, that this show has been dedicated to, as I took you all to the breaking doors. 